Hey, what's good? What's good? What's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the Road Podcast. I'm DJ Crooked. We have DJ Neva. Yo, what up? DJ D Miles. What's good. We got DJ Jamie the Great. Yeah. I'm giving you the DJ moniker now. Finally. Um, we got a special guest by way of Park City, Utah. Uh, dude has made his name and uh, made his bones here. I would say bringing hip hop to Vegas or back to Vegas or or really making it. Making you know, it give, big. Yeah, make, yeah, giving hip-hop a big home in nightlife in here in Las Vegas. Definitely. Uh, let's give it up for Constantine Deslis. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. What's good, man? Uh, everything, I guess, uh, uh, other than the age. Uh, age. <laughs> <laughs> Things are awesome. I, I appreciate the, uh, the kind comments. I, I think that's uh, our big shoes to fill. I think that, you know, there's a lot of people, uh, you know, involved uh, from the artist side to 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 our side, but uh, it, it has been kind of cool to watch and be part of uh, the wave. I think that in some ways started in Vegas and it's kind of spread everywhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I want let's explain because we, we you know we're we're kind of like a DJ podcast. We obviously focus on music and like nightlife and stuff, and we've had. You know, like icons and legends like uh, Shecky Green on here. You know what I mean? Who yeah. also was instrumental in bringing hip hop out to to the masses to to Vegas. Cool. And then I think I feel like you maybe uh, you know took it to another level in the 2010s. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, let's explain what I mean. What do you do? Like, what do you do? I know you you're at Dre's and what's your you, proper title? Yeah, what's your title? Like, yeah, you, my my uh, I guess I, I'm the head of entertainment for Dre's uh, uh, management group. Yeah, and that's primarily focused uh, on the property and businesses uh, here in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. So uh, Dre's Rooftop Nightclub and Beach Club, and then of course we have After Hours, and there's some other people that kind of deal with that on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and then you know, uh, as Dre's continues to expand, uh, you know, last uh, or 2018 earlier this year, Dre's Dubai opened up, yeah. mm -hmm. and so also a big part of my initiative is the programming and entertainment for Dre's Dubai and then also our partner in Dubai which is Club White in Dubai so right. uh, kind of the two deserts on different parts of the world <laughs> and uh, and you know just just overall uh, you know that kind of goes into you know connecting programming the culture the experience and you know and you know getting the right things there that are that are synergistic with the brand but are also you know, on the curve, not necessarily ahead, but right on, and, and you know that's that's uh, what I eat and breathe every so day. So, in like yeah. in the in the simplest terms, you like book the talent, correct? And correct. Then, and then you and you kind of creative direct exactly what direction the music and everything is going to go, and and then you work with you know obviously the marketing team and everybody correct. and the, all the execs and everything like that. Correct. Right? Uh, like a, like they have the design build construction companies, right? So it's A to Z. So from from the outreach to the negotiation of the contract to uh, the on site management of the relationships. Yeah. Uh, you know myself and of course you know the, the rest of our team as well is is, is involved in all different pieces in that, but. Uh, you know, I, I'm immersed in every every aspect of that process. Cool. Yeah. I man, I, you sound really corporate right now. It's that five o'clock. This is not you know, the Constantine I know. Constantine. Constantine. <laughs> the coffee finally wore off. You know what I mean? Like, Con Constantine. Uh, <laughs> Constantine is like he's he's like giving a testimony here. Like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, well, I mean, you you asked what the corporate title is. No, 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 no. No, well, instinctually like, brought out the corporate lingo. No, no. yeah. well, look, look, you're a hip hop head. I've, uh, obviously, I want to talk about Park City, Utah, but I do want to touch on what you're doing here in Vegas and what you've been doing. So you 
you and your brother kind of ran a club in Park City, Utah. In a quick version, but I want to go back to that, which is Harry O's. Sure. And you guys did major, like, big events during um, Sundance. Correct. And this was, like, what years was this? Like, 2000s? Yeah, I guess to kind of give a, a, and make a snapshot so we, yeah. know, we don't spend too much time on the tangent on it, but... Uh, I do yeah. want to talk about it, but of course yeah. I, we can come back though. Like you said, you know, I, I was, I was born in Salt Lake city, Utah, uh-huh. and I grew up mm-hmm. in Greece and Utah and, uh, until I was about 17 and then I, and then I lived in Utah primarily after that. Uh, I always was a, a music head in mm-hmm. every fashion. So even when I, you know, I got out of high school and I, and I had a corporate job, I would take all my money from the corporate job and lose it trying to throw parties. Uh, every now and then I'd make it, but right. you know, it was always part of what I, what I wanted to do. But you know, like a lot of things, you know, you, you, you keep your passion close and you know, you got to make sure you put money in the bank. So, uh, eventually that evolved into, instead of being my side thing, my only thing. And then that started with, uh, and I'm sorry about that. That's cool. That started with, uh, uh, Harry in Park City. So, and, and Harry in Park City was unique because, uh, you know, the one cool thing about Utah, no disrespect to the hometown, but one of the one of the kind of unique things was the Sundance Film Festival. And because Sundance was the biggest festival in the world for 10 days, Park City was the coolest place in the world. It was. You had every actor there. Everybody. You had every like musician there. It was right. crazy. And Ex- it was pandemonium, especially at that time. So this is oh five, oh six. And this is like literally all his DJs like that was. That's when we, it started. That was the gig that you wanted yeah. Yeah. every mm-hmm. year, and we would beg for it. Like We had a good time. We had yeah. a good time. So uh, at 05, 06, uh, we started Sundance, and that's kind of why we got into the nightlife business because we knew that Sundance really provided a platform that yeah. was different than just a club business. You know, we, we would hopefully you know, generate some relationships and all those things. So the, the beauty about Sundance is in addition to everybody wanting to be there, the artists wanted to play. So yeah. it, even though we were a small 800-person venue in a mountain, uh, it was the only place you could do a show. Harry's was 800 capacity? It was 800 listed capacity. I mean, it, it looked like I had like 1,500 in there. <laughs> Most least. likely. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. So I want to break down Harry's because the first time I did it was insane. It, so it was kind of always like a, there, was a, there was a stage, obviously, and then it was like a variety show almost. Because you would you would book like multiple artists in one night during Sundance. Correct. So you could have anyone from like Tribe Called Quest there, and then you'd have like I don't know something crazy like uh, like give me an example like, like uh, Ghostland Observatory. We yeah, had yeah. once, which you know uh, they were a big. They used to be a big festival. And then you access. were kind of like the host. Correct. So uh, I, you know I, I definitely uh, held a little too many things to do, but uh, you know a lot of people who know me until I moved to. Uh, Vegas, which yeah. was about six years ago, uh, I used to MC with the DJ every night. Yeah, yeah. So every night I would, you know, I, I would, uh, you know, you know, because yeah. I, you know, I would drive people crazy that were DJing. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, on New Year's, I think we had Questlove once, and I was like, oh, great. you know, thanks for playing, and here's your mic, and I got this one, and he's like, are you, are you crazy? You know, he's like, <laughs> was like who, who's this guy? Well, uh, let me let me set this up. Like, I was spinning with Constantine, and you love, I mean, at the time, you love Jay-Z. You probably I, still love Jay-Z. I still do, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So he would tell me, like, yo, man, I want you to do a little Jay-Z set. And I'm like, all right, cool. And this motherfucker just comes on. He's like, stop the music, stop the music. And he'll just start yelling at the crowd like, yo, we're going to do this right. We're going to do this, blah, 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 blah. DJ, drop it. And I drop like PSA. And he's just, he'd be on stage like rhyming the lyrics. And he's like, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. And then I'd have to drop it. And I was like, damn, this motherfucker's from 
Park City. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yo, you was working. Pause. You was working the mic like you was from like was New York. Yeah, also serious. New York shit. Yeah, it was very serious. Eventually, yeah. I learned to maintain the 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 microphone and the booze and all together, and you know, do it where because you know, at first you like you have a good night and a bad night. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And you were like, ah, oh, I wasn't, you know. But uh, eventually, it became you know, for me, it was kind of part of pushing the energy and pushing the crowd. And yeah, and and I am a hip hop head, and I and yeah. I think one of the the unique and, and, and uh, things about hip hop that nothing else has is the DJ and the microphone. Yeah. And, you know, I think that is, has always been so integral to, you know, the difference between a, a electronic music party and, you know, a proper open format or hip hop party. And I think that engagement that, you know, uh, a hip hop DJ uh, mm -hmm. has, yeah. you know, with microphone presence is a defining experience, you know, difference between the experience that, you know, we push out there and maybe other people do. So for me, that was always like really important. And, you know, I think uh, it, to throw a good party, sometimes you got to, you know, you got to yell at people to not sit down and yeah. to, mm -hmm. you know, not. I think it's yeah. even more important nowadays yeah. because uh, the music, I think, is sometimes not enough because. You need more energy. I mean, you to need to wake people up. 100%. You know? And then, and then, honestly, I feel like a lot of motherfuckers don't know what to do in the club. Yeah. You know, especially yeah. when you come to Vegas. You got a lot of tourists. You got a lot of different yeah. people. Yeah. And then, uh, I think even young kids, like, even young kids, they don't have that. It's true. They're coming in the club for the first time. They just want to, you it's know. It's overwhelming. You got to tell them what to do yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But And I think that's the other thing, too, is that you, the power you have with any pulpit or any microphone. Yeah. But especially in a club, you know, whether it's put your hands in the air or do this or do so that. So you, you yeah. definitely think the microphone is an integral part of DJing. I mean. I, I think so. I mean, I, I think that part of the hip hop experience is like, you know, even the lyrics, right? You know, part yeah. of the reason why you might be like, oh, I need to hear some hip hop music because you need to hear words in the songs. Right. right. So like. Mm -hmm. A lot of the uh, uh, alternatives, you know, uh, experiences, whether it's, you know, an EDM DJ or whatever the case, you know, sometimes there's no vocals for an hour. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. like, you know, just being in an environment where you can relate to what's being said and that helps you have a more fun energy and so on and so forth. I think all that is really important. Yeah. So I kind of want to jump uh, past Park City a little bit. And I want to talk about when you first came to Vegas, which was the and you worked at Hakkasan. Right. Yes. Yes. So uh, one of the one of the, I guess, uh, beautiful things that that, that happened because of Park City and to this day is, you know, I generate a lot of personal relationships and a lot of them were from Vegas. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, the first three years that we had that we were involved in Park City, they used to uh, transform our club into Tao at Sundance every year. Right. So mm -hmm. the day the year we opened our first Sundance was also the first year Tao opened. So mm -hmm. for us, it was this momentum. But it also taught us a lot about the, the you know, the global opportunity of nightlife. But, it, yeah. you know, we generate a lot of personal relationships. So eventually, you know, as things evolved in Park City and I just grew up, uh, you know, I knew that in order for me to grow, I had to be around things that were bigger than me. And mm -hmm. and uh uh, I came out here on the Alex Cordova scholarship, so uh, you know. You know, I, I actually went to high school with Alex. I, we yeah, talked, yeah, we, talk, yeah. we joked about this. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, I, I met Alex. Uh, I think at the time when I first met him in '05, he was like a, a, a host and one of my guy, a GM from from the club, at knew Pure, him. Right? Yeah, correct. And mm. and I let him in, and and from the point, that, like basically, we were shut down. The clops were like nobody can come in. It was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it was. Uh, Sundance is pretty hectic. And we pulled Alex in. And to, the, to Alex's credit, from that day, he always took care of me. Anytime I came to Vegas, he was always there. And, and you know, obviously I had a, a, a relationship with the, with the towel guys because we did Sundance. And, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, when they were about to open up Hoxon about a year before, 
um, you know, me and Alex just started talking and, and, you know, it kind of didn't make sense at the time, you know, Hey, we're going to open a club and we're going to spend $150 million and you know, it's going to be 70,000 square feet. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and so, uh, I think I'm in technical terms, the, one of the first or second employees that they hired for Hakkasan in Las Vegas, right? Whatever that means. But, um, but for me, it was new. It was actually the first time I had worked for anybody since I was 19. So, uh, you know, from about 20 to 21, I'd, I'd worked, you know, with people in, in the sense of a partnership, but I hadn't had a boss in a long time. Right, so right. it was a it was an awesome learning experience. And it's like super corporate, very corporate. When I first yeah. came, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, know. I remember like uh, when you first when you first were like uh, first couple months in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, I'm I don't think Hakkasan was a frustrating company to work for, but I think. The corporate environment was kind of frustrating for you in the beginning. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I, th- I think you know it's kind of like your you know your Johnny B. Good in the small school where you know I don't know if you remember that movie, yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know it, I, I definitely had this kind of I could kind of do almost anything I wanted in my own town, and then when I came here, I had to conform to a new way and and essentially follow somebody else's plan, which was new to me. And and then I also had to kind of you know any corporate environment you have to wait in line to a certain degree. So yeah, uh, it, it was. Uh, uh, I, you know, so much about how I work today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I learned a lot of the, the process and approach. And, uh, you know, I was I was at Oxon for about two years. So I started there as one of two director of marketings. And then uh, eventually I kind of became, you know, and, and, and I guess this pivots to it. Once Hoxon opened, I kind of became the hip hop guy for the Ling Ling Club. And so I yeah. began mm-hmm. eventually programming the Ling Ling Club and all the hip hop stuff downstairs. Yeah. And uh, and that's kind of what it morphed into. And so I was there for almost three years, about two and a half years. So how does yeah. that work, man? I mean, obviously, when you open in the club and, you know, what's the process like of like, all right, this is going to be a hip hop room. This is going to be the main room. What's the DJs? Who's in the who's in the room? How many people know what they're talking about? How many people don't know what they're right. talking about? Right. How many times are you are you telling them? We should do this, and they're like, "Well, you know, let's talk about it later." And then, right. oh, let's have a meeting about that. And then, like, oh, let's have another meeting and follow up on that. Right. And how does that work? You know. I mean, I I think with Oxon, you know, when you're talking about a a billion dollar plan, right? It, it, it when you really look at it at scale, not even just Vegas, everything else that was happening when that first happened, right? Right. Uh, it was such a wave, you know, and the stories about all the money and everything, and you know how, how much money they were spending and they were buying things. So a lot of the the pieces to the puzzle were predetermined, uh, in the sense that you know uh, Alex and and Nick and, and then James Alga and you know and all the guys there that are as sharp a people as you'll ever meet. A lot of that stuff had been fleshed out. Uh, you know, I was definitely fortunate that. Uh, there was a platform to provide input along the way. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there were acts that, uh, you know, I obsessed, I, I drove them crazy about, they listened and then it worked. For example? Uh, uh, Ruckus, uh, all the open format DJs. Yeah. Uh, was Questlove on Questlove. Yeah. Uh, I would say Questlove is something Alex wanted to do yeah, as yeah. much as anybody because it kind of provided that, that, that mystique that they were, you know, they were looking at Mark Ronson at one point. They were looking at, you know, yeah. Quest, yeah. Uh, Cassidy, right, who's like uh-huh. the private event guy, but, mm-hmm. you know, hasn't really done. I just felt like Quest, like he hadn't had a Vegas gig 
Except for that one, Except yeah, for yeah. that, so I feel like that had your name on it yeah, a little yeah. bit. You know? I, I definitely was like, yes, let's do that. And, you know, I had a, uh, a existing relationship with Amir and mm-hmm. his team because we had mm-hmm. done New Year's. And, and you know, he's such a, a sonic guy. Mm-hmm. And one of the cool yeah. things about the Park City Club is all bands love playing there because it was just a really cool room to play. Mm-hmm. So we had kind of built some rapport from that, and he loved to play that Park City Club when it was with the – like we did the Roots and yeah. Lupe together once or whatever, so – uh, you know, outside of that, I think the only other thing that I had a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, that I was always walking around the office, say, hey, let's do this, let's do this, was, you know, the weekend, which was, I was, about to ask you about which was also at Hoxon. And, and mm-hmm. you know, and I think, uh, you know, one of my favorite conversations, uh, we were talking about that. And it's like, listen, should we do this? Do people really know who this guy is yet? And, and I was like, listen, if you could sign Prince before he was Prince, what, what would you do? Right. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you you found Prince before he's Prince. Because it was it was <laughs> yeah. literally the first time that I would say a major club in Vegas booked somebody that was so indie yeah. and R&B and hip-hop. Correct. And I think it was doing Magic or something, right? Well, well, the first time, no, no, no. I think I think we booked the weekend. In, what year was it? Do you recall? That would be was, 2012 or 13, right? No, I think it, it, it might have been 13. Yeah. I want to say 13, 12. It might, you're, right, you're probably right. And 12, they didn't right? believe in 2013 about the weekend? I, well, no listen, one knew. No, no, one, knew. no one really knew. I, I mean, let's, people, let's be honest. Like, when did people, the weekend blow up, really? I found him in 2010. But he, he, he he blew up from day one, but yeah, to yeah. people who loved no, to the like to but to, to the public yeah. after after Dre's because what because then now fast forward and you know I don't know if I'm skipping anything but now fast forward Hoxon was a great experience but like anything it came to an end God bless yeah and and I was actually gonna get out of Vegas and then uh, a friend of mine Adam Sadie uh, you guys know Adam Sadie I believe mm-hmm. uh, Adam also worked Hoxon and then left eventually and and me and him were having a conversation he's like you know I was just in a meeting. And everything they were saying kind of reminded me of you. He's like, one second. He put me in touch with uh, Ryan Craig at the time. And then uh, Ryan Craig, in one day, put me in touch with Michael Gruber, who was the president of of Dre's. And uh, it was not something I planned or expected to do. Although, before I left Hakkasan and I had seen the room, I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. that room is awesome. I'm like, I would program that for free. That would be so fun. You You mean Hakkasan? Dre's. Dre's. Dre's, So at the time, I was at Hakkasan and, you know, just – when I saw it, I was like, "Wow, that is a really cool." All right, room. so wait, let's go through the timeline a little bit. So you're in you're in Vegas, 2013, right, or 2012? 2012 is when I 12. came. Hakkasan yeah. opens, and then you bring weekend to Hakkasan in what year? Um, 2013. You just said. I yeah. would say I would say 12. It was either 12 or 13, I think. And again, you know, the, the, the company brought him in technical terms. I mean, they went yeah, out yeah. and negotiated the deal, but we were all involved in the conversation. I think the first thing that that you know people would maybe say oh thanks for doing that was probably Nas because they had never done a hip-hop show Mm -hmm. and then during agenda we did that Nas show right right and to this day that's one of my favorite events we've done anywhere because people were so dying to be in that club and listen to hip-hop music right and then uh because I remember having conversations because I would do the Ling Ling with you and we would hang out and then we would like either get a drink after the gig yeah and we were talking like man i got this idea like i kind of want to do what we did at park city where it was like it was like a hip-hop show but then it was like the djing and like it was the show and the after park and then when you went to dre's you you literally brought that that whole um concept at dre's kind of you know what Uh, i mean Yes, I mean, listen. It's almost. I know weird. you don't want to take credit, but no, no, no. I, I don't even mean it I, like that. I just, I guess, what I'd say is, uh, it's weird. Sometimes I almost feel like it's a like the Matrix, like it's not real because it happens so much. Like, like, like I had hoped in the sense that yeah. I think that the the cool thing about Dre's for me 
was, you know, Hoxine, there was a large corporate infrastructure. Yeah. And sometimes I was in that room, sometimes I wasn't. Uh, at Dre's, when I initially met them, you know, within two days, I, I was having an hour conversation with Victor Dre. And, you know, for, for Victor me, Dre is the, obviously the owner. Yeah, yeah. Victor Dre is Dre's. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, if anybody has a, a movie story, you know, uh, it's Victor Dre, who, yeah. you know, who has gotten an Oscar, has yeah. produced movies, has been involved in fashion, you know, has had. He was like the producer of. Um uh, Weekend at Bernie's. Bernie's, yes. I just saw that the other day on cable, but yeah. <laughs> when, when it play, hey, that's one of my, I, when I was a kid, I loved that movie. Yeah. But uh, And he also made The Color Red, which is the first time anybody ever heard the Stevie Wonder song, uh, um, what's the love, the famous... Is it Lady in Red, the, right? The Women in the women, women the women Red. Women in Red, yes. Yeah. So, so that was yeah. a, a Victor Dre produced movie. It was like The Color of Red. I was like... And he got... Right. <laughs> and he, and he's, you know, Victor's the one that got Stevie, uh, you know, on involved in that movie. And, uh-huh. and, and that's one of Stevie's biggest and he records. he won an Oscar for that. I Correct. just called to say yeah. I love, love you. Love you. Right? That's yeah. a, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, listen, Victor's a unique guy. And I think where... Uh, you know, nothing can happen without all the pieces. Sometimes, you know yeah. what I mean. So, yeah. well, I mean, I mean, Vegas. Every nightclub in Vegas was frightened of hip hop. Right. Very, very remember, scared. Yeah. I remember we, I, we were doing Ling. I would DJ yeah. Ling Ling Room, and then he, uh, Constantine, you would text me, and you'd be like, "Yo, we got a special guest, but we can't announce it because yeah. who?" Now I want to get to the bottom of this <laughs> a little bit, but he would, Constantine would be like, "Yo, we can't announce it. It's gonna be Mob Deep." But he's like, damn. We can't announce it because the city's gonna shut us down, or some shit. Like you would say, like we're gonna get in well, trouble. Well, it wasn't me that said that, but I think I I understand the story you're referring to. Yeah, someone's like, listen, I, I think. What you know, is that? Who's shutting you guys down, and I, how does that work? Well, no one's doing anything. Uh, I, I think, <laughs> I think the, I think the 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 honest way to look at it is that you know you have like we said, billion dollar nightclub brands, big businesses, yeah, yeah. lots of money. And obviously there's been a kind of cautious step to embrace hip hop, mm-hmm. you know, across the yeah. board, especially in Vegas. And, you know, uh, I think sometimes people have been careful how to market their brand and align them with certain artists. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, whether it's like, and, and listen, let's be honest, right. It, it, there are certain artists that appeal to, you know, some, some MCs only talk about dope, right? Yeah. Or some only talk about girls or, you know, Common is talking about, you know, some introspective shit or whatever right, right, it is, right. right? So like- And so you got dudes like YG where everything's gang life. Right. right, so not that there's right or wrong with that or whatever, right. but the, the people who are going to be, uh, 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 you know, buy those CDs or listen to that music exactly. might be, you know, in, 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 one, in one sector. So I, I think, you know- uh, maybe that's the, the 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 nice way to explain how, how why people yeah, have been no. cautious, yeah. and I don't know if I'm you know saying that appropriately. You know, for me, I just I've never been involved in the nightlife business because of like girls or partying or you know all those things. Kind of, I just had to get you know manage well to to stay there. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's always just been about you know this kind of. Uh, you know, how enamored I am with just music and what it does to people and everything. Right. And, you know, when I came to Vegas and, you know, I, I was in Park City, so we would do cool things, but it wasn't because we were paying a lot of money. It just random mm-hmm. shit that we got lucky to get done. In Vegas, you know, people making, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a night. In my head, there's a lot of things you can do with that, you right. know. And, 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 you know, the cool thing about Sundance is, you know, we did... Uh, uh, you know, Metallica, and then we did Nas and NERD two nights later. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. like, yeah. We, 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 it was never about one kind of music. It was about 
putting a live music experience within like, a night. It was like a variety show, bro. Yeah, like it was a musical it, variety show that you guys did. It was cool. Yo. It was special. Yeah. You it know was an I mean? indoor festival. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It was. It was kind of before there was all these festivals yeah. going on. It was like a Super festival, random, bro. Yeah. We yeah, Metallica the Nerd. I mean, N-A-R-D yeah. to yeah. wherever he's just at. Fuck. Yeah, the Metallica shit was nuts. Just yeah, love that. Happened, but. So then you got like guys like Jamie here who's just starting. He's like a rookie DJ. He's just coming onto the scene. He's like originally a sneakerhead. Right. But like... He's like, who the, f- you know, who's Constantine? He's like, what is this all about? Because you hear Constantine, Constantine, I'm like, well, what is this? let me put a face yeah, to yeah, this yeah. guy. So he's asking me all the good stuff's true. He's asking me all these questions. I'm like, yo, don't worry, don't, like, you, you're gonna find out. But like, what you were just, what you were just um, talking about at Hakkasan and coming into Dre's and how it all aligned a little bit. Yeah, you need someone with balls. Hundred percent to, to follow through with all of your ideas or suggestions because. 100%. Like I said, everyone was so scared of hip hop. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And also at the time, and EDM was kind of big, right? It was oh, wait, huge. Wait, wait. I mean, it, it it had been at its peak for a little bit, but it 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 was ever. That's all everybody, were, yeah. you know. Because again, yeah. when when there's so much on the line, a lot of people are like, "Well, sh- this works. Let's not mess it up. Let's right. just try and do it our way. Don't fuck up a good thing." Right. And so you know, again, for me, it's like you're making money, but it was just like it, there was no like creative fulfillment, mm-hmm. uh, and that's kind of where you know my my brain set was coming from. Uh, and then also, you know, I, obviously, I, I like hip hop music a little bit more. I think. But also, yeah. like, I mean, let's not lie. I mean, when Dre's first opened, you guys were doing, you guys were pushing EDM acts on the, on the weekends, and I think you had Correct. like you had like a hip hop Sunday or something. Yeah, that like was that, it, right? right? Yeah, yes. it, it was. It's been a long road to get from there to here. So you know, when I but when it was I, a gradual thing because like um, I want to say like all the big EDM acts were kind of already taken. Correct. So then when you guys would try to sign EDM acts, they were still, like, I guess, well-known DJs, but they just weren't that big as, like, a Calvin Harris or Tiesto. You right. know what I mean? Like, who did right. you still, have? You had Sidney Sampson. Yeah. Um, um, great DJ. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to know who the EDM when, guys are. When I first got there, uh, and, and uh, you know, a lot of things that were already moving, right? So I got to Dre's about six months after they opened. I think I got there in July. Or not even that. They opened in May. I, I got there in July mm-hmm. of that year. Yeah. And uh, I think we had, you know, Mac J, Blau. Yeah. You know, the thing yeah, is, yeah. is if you go look at all the DJs throughout Vegas, not at Dre's now, but, you know, some of them are still there. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of them kind of blew up there and then evolved and got gigs at other places. Sometimes some of them continue going and some kind of plateaued. But at the time, that was the your Borges, the first time he was in Vegas, was at Dre's, Blau, mm-hmm. uh, Mag J. You mentioned Sidney Sampson. Kind of like the new like trap like EDM. Like Correct. Like all the trap EDM DJs. Right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the, the problem is, especially that time with the climate with the DJs, is like, you know, Tiesto and Calvin worked all the time. Uh, everything else didn't, right? So, right. and the difference between Dre's and every other club is, you know, the Cromwell's a 180 hotel room. Uh, property. It's the only boutique hotel on the strip. So, unlike MGM or the Win or you know Cosmo, there's you know we don't have two, three thousand, four thousand rooms. We have 188. So everything up. It's only 188. That's it. So that. you know you have Flamingo and Caesars, but those are still off property. You still have to leave that property to come. So yeah. w- w- you know what we all realized fast is you know there there was nice momentum because it was a new club. But in order for us to really get people there, there we had to bring them. Yeah. They yeah. didn't just stay there and come. There's and so, no walk. Yeah. There's no traffic. There's no. no walking traffic. You're like a destination right. location. Right. Yeah. So, you know, every whole, every club in town, you know, you inherit a certain crowd or you mark that crowd. You know, we, we kind of have to drive a big portion of the people that but come. But it's also like a nightclub's identity gets a little watered down, though. When, Correct. When, like when Dre's has EDM and then every club has EDM. 
but you don't have Calvin Harris or Tiesto or, or Steve Aoki. You just kind of look like everybody else. Like a bad just, version of everything. Yeah, you're like kind of yeah, Correct. like a like a bad version. And, like, and, you know? and and I think that's I think that's kind of where you know you say the stars aligned. I, you know, obviously I, I'm this guy that you know had a kind of niche expertise, and then I had a passion for for hip hop music and the culture. You know, to me, I that's where I got the gratification on like showing the compelling difference between a Nas show or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? A future show and, you know, uh, Afrojack show, you know, not yeah. that, you know, that's not cool, but just there's a very big difference between, you know, somebody in a DJ booth jumping and a guy performing, engaging, you're so close, you can feel a sweat. And, you know, he's actually, you know, singing or rapping the lyrics, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it, I, I really was excited about that. I think where it goes to, you got to have a guy with balls or you got to have the right people that are, you know, you can pitch somebody a lot of things, but, you know, will they help you do it? Will they fall through? Will they stand behind you when it's tough? And I think that's where, you know, uh, Victor Dre, before I ever spoke to him and to this day and along the process, he definitely you know, is a principle-based person. So separate from, well, gosh, even though I'm spending a lot of money, I'm making money, in his head, he felt, well, if I'm going to spend this much money, I want something more, you know. I want right. I yeah. want to be different. I don't mind spending the money, but it has to be different. So I think, you know, him already having that mentality and, you know, he really wanted to do something different, uh, you know, and Victor's a funny guy because, you know, if you, if, if, you know, part of a short version of the after hours story is, you know, someone threw an after hours party at his restaurant because it was a steakhouse mm-hmm. and it worked. And he's like, this is great. Let's do it every night. Right. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> when, when, when something works, he's like, great all the time. Right. So, uh, uh, you know, we had a lot of conversations. I started in July and agenda was like the good environment to you know to again to bring something in and, yeah yeah in the first first show we ever did again was nas yeah uh, uh because you know nas has kind of been one of those guys i, I did a show with a long time ago we yeah. you know we we had a, a very mutual connection and i've always tried to work with nas anytime i can just you know uh, like on some geek shit right so yeah. <laughs> uh you know we did nas and, Je- and jeremiah those were the first two shows we did and then we did uh, chris brown on halloween at the time <laughs> mm-hmm. and we did chris we were like don't do chris what are you doing I was there for that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was amazing. It was I mean, insane. he came, he performed for like an, an hour. hour and a half yeah. maybe mm-hmm. and you know, he I, so like I, I, my my thing is this, when you were putting these things on the table and obviously there were people in the room that were like, well, you know, everything's EDM, let's stay with EDM. How hard was it to kind of, you know, uh, especially like Victor, feed, especially with Victor Dre's. Yeah, it's like uh, you how know, do you how do you feed them like a kid vegetables and like kind of make well, it like, make it taste like cake, you know I, what I mean? Pause. I, I think I think that goes on. <laughs> I think that goes on on like minor details more, but I will say and I don't just say it's cuz it sounds right, but uh to Victor's credit, uh the minute he saw it, he was like, "Ah, oh, I, I get it. I, I, I found it." It's yeah, like, yeah. this is it. And yeah. and uh, because it, you guys stood out a lot when right. you guys started embracing hip hop. Absolutely, yeah. you guys stood out, mm-hmm. and then everybody looked like they were behind. Like yeah, they especially were like, oh, the, shit. the placement of where Dre's is at. Like you look up and you just see shit going Correct. on in hip hop music coming out. Even from like the strip, you're like, that's why. Because that's because you know, when be when at. industry motherfuckers are talking, like yo. Right. Did you see Chris Brown? Did you see like the Instagram yeah. of Chris Brown? Right. When that one, I don't know what night that was, but that was the epic that was night. The, that was the main when I think, fight I, weekend, I, think yeah. I texted you or DM'd you. And I said, yeah. yo, fam, 
you are like breaking new ground here. You, it was pretty it, cool. It was a fight weekend, right? It was. It was the, actually the Mayweather fight weekend. So, so we did Chris the first time, and 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 Dre's uh, Victor's always been a big fan of Chris and yeah. his style, uh, good of a dancer. And Chris was awesome from the day. Because he's an insane performer, right? Listen, Chris might be the most talented human being alive. Like he's the kind of person you could be like, hey, here's a pencil, and he'll you know paint a mural. Like here's a basketball, he'll cross you over and dunk. You know, he'll rap, he'll sing, he can do a back. You know, he just is a uh, a, a dynamic person. I've never seen anybody that can do anything right. So, right. Uh, you know, and, and and in the club, that's like you know he was the perfect combination. I think the the next big thing that kind of put us in a uh outside of just hip-hop or whatever the case because even though chris is an r&b artist he's like a hip-hop r&b artist to a certain degree and in some fashion i don't know but when we in, in circle back to the weekend then the next act we signed and originally the plan was to do it once a month yeah we were like let's do it once a month we kind of had a lot of commitments to the djs and then after chris victor's is like uh i want to do this every night which you know is cool but also is a little scary because right, right. all yeah. of a sudden you got to ramp that up and then we did the weekend uh, on New Year's, uh, New Year's, the day before New Year's, I think it was, uh, 2013. So going into 14, mm -hmm. and at the time it was the same thing. Like I was like, please do this. You have to do this. They're like, I don't know. It's too, you know, whatever. We, we fought. Finally, you know, some uh, other people got involved in the conversation, even on the Caesar side, and they're like, hey, you know, they're probably right. We should do this. Mm -hmm. We did it, and then that first show happened. And and you know, one, if you've been to a weekend show, especially at that time. You know, it's like seventy five percent women, women yeah. and not just seventy five percent, like like baddest, bad, like the great the girls like that. that don't go out, that you know need need whatever to go out. It it, was, it was like eight to one. It was I think awesome. the first time you had week. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, you had to really fight to get weekend at Drake's. Absolutely, you know, it sounds like a movie. I, mean, I wouldn't say I, listen. <laughs> I wouldn't say fight, but I, listen. I, I think you know what we were doing is new for all of us. You yeah. Know? So it, it's it's scary because when, he didn't have a single yet, really. Well, yeah, so, no, he, he had, had to. Um, time, he had to join with um. Drake. So, why, I, at the t well, no, no. At the, well, yes, he had, I mean, he had those joints. He had yeah. all those joints, uh, and at yeah. the time, yeah. often he would play often. He play all those songs, yeah, and yeah. he had a couple new songs. And so we did the New Year's thing, and we did it. We did a show the next week at CES with him, and they're great. I mean, you know, he's an example. I would say that, uh, you know, what can happen if you have a guy that's dedicated, like Michael Jordan, dedicated to his craft? Because right. you know, some guys will, uh, uh, and I don't mean it's the right or wrong way, but. You know, they're okay being a little late. They're okay, you know, maybe the show ends a little short. He's not. Like, you know, one time we made him late, and he's like, listen, we're here for them. We should never be late. You know, like, and their whole team was so thorough from day one. And I think, you know, it's an example to see, you know, look at him now. We did those first two shows. Our next show was in February. Earned it dropped after our second show. Mm -hmm. And when Ernie dropped, he was gone. It was like we, you know, they were like, "Oh, we shouldn't have signed a deal," because right. you know, like if we would have signed that deal a week later, one and then, and then he became like a mega he, fucking yeah. star. He was, he was, that was you know, the, the, the new Fifty Shades of Grey song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the album came out, and then you know, yeah. after that, the beautiful man. It was like, crazy. "Hey, do you want to do it the other year?" And he's like, oh, "I'm doing arenas," you know. So, yeah. <laughs> like, thanks, yeah. Yeah. Like, but he did come back and did a few shows for you guys. right? We did. We finished out that year, yeah. and uh, and you know, those guys are like family to mm -hmm. this day. And you know, he's uh, he's one of the nicest, most soft spoken, you know, humble, you know, uh, uh, engaged. You know, he's just a great, normal person. 
and I, and randomly, you know, he's Ethiopian. I don't know if you know this, but a lot of Ethiopia is uh, a Greek Orthodox. In yeah. fact, next no, to Greece, next to Greece and Russia, uh, Ethiopia has the most Greek Orthodox. Like really, proportionately, it's like ninety five percent. So when we wow. met, he's like, uh, you know, you're Greek, because my my name's a very like uh, Greek Orthodox yeah. Greek name, and he's like, actually, my. You know, my mother's a very serious Greek Orthodox, and he's like, you know, and he told me and the whole bit. So, you know, just little random things like that kind of, you know, always help, you know, uh, maybe strengthen the relationship. But uh, it was the weekend and Chris, and uh, then we had the, the, the Mayweather fight. So Yeah. And then yeah. I just want to paint the picture of the Mayweather fight. It was Chris <laughs> Brown. What May- Mayweather was this? The first one. I mean, the, the big one, the Pacquiao. Yeah, the Pacquiao. Pacquiao. So it was Chris Brown performing. Correct. And on stage it was like 50 Cent. Like it was everybody. It was everybody. It was awesome. It was like, and I, I remember I told you it was, it was like the first time I saw like a hip hop rap pack. Yeah. Where like everybody That's was on you like, say that, yeah. yeah, 50 Cent was on stage. There was like fabulous. There was, was like this dude and everyone just p- started performing. Yeah. On that one picture, it was. You uh, had like millions of dollars worth of talent on one, one stage, stage performing for free. Well, kind of. Like, bottles, a lot of bottles went out. A lot of bottles went out. A lot of Ace of Spades went out. I don't I, know what happened. I will say, you know, it's A lot fun. of effing vodka. <laughs> lots of, lots yeah. of effing vodka. No, uh, well, you know, a, a lot of those things, there were more chess pieces to make all that happen. Yeah, so how does, does that happen? You know. And how does, like, so that they, didn't happen spontaneously. It was kind of planned. It, I mean, it was spontaneous for some people. You, you know, sometimes you kind of. You kind of move the, the obstacle course, hoping they'll go left and right, and then it works out. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that uh, that's also part of the job. You know, even if you're a DJ, right, and the act shows up, you want to have a create an organic enough rapport that they might, you know, right. do some impromptu shit. Yeah. So right, right. I think that's also the power of live music and hip hop versus an electronic DJ, right? Because yeah. what can Tiesto come into the booth with another DJ do? You know, you can only yeah. do so much, right? right? So another act comes in, all of a sudden people, you know, sometimes we don't even care who the other act, they just see an extra person, they're like, oh my God, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but for Mayweather, everybody was here, right? But so, is, it, is it one of those things where like, all right, if we bring this one dude, that everyone's going to follow that one dude? It's like domino effect? I think you hope that. I think yeah. I think when it's like New Year's Eve or Super Bowl or, you know, the fight weekend. I remember when I was a kid and, and there was a picture of like Jay-Z, Diddy, and 50 at Tau. And yeah. I, you know, and, and I was in Utah running my, the little club, and I was like, "Oh wow, you know, I wish." But you know, and that night was uh, Buster Rhymes, Akon, Fifty Cent, Chris, uh, Brown. Chris Brown, Tyga, Fab, uh, Fab, um, Jada Kiss. Probably. Was Usher there too? Uh, I don't know if Usher was on stage. Uh, but it was crazy. Westbrook Trey, was Trey on songs, stage. Trey, was, Trey songs was there too. Dude, that's come on, man. That's and, nuts. And it was like. Play this. I mean, it was and it was very organic. It was it was awesome. And at the time, I think it was actually Chris's birthday. We had just signed Chris to a residency, yeah, yeah. which was a big deal for him at the time because a lot of people weren't. They were staring from him. They, were still they, they weren't yeah. sure. And I think that uh, it looked like the most. Fu- it was like I, I wanted like- to just be there because it just looked like <laughs> like everyone on stage looked happy. It was dope. You're and right, you've never did. seen a group of rappers together like happy they were they were like popping bottles it's true and like yo and motherfuckers singing other motherfuckers songs yeah yeah i think a- there was like a picture of like akon like a little kid on buster rhymes shoulder and buster rhymes is like rapping and like jumping and you know it just it was like Crazy. that was it, may of 2015 yeah, right? it was, yeah that was that was i think that was one of the first times where 
or the, for a Mayweather fight, yeah. there was something to do that was revolving around hip hop. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, that, before it wasn't that way for, gov- and, for and, Mayweather. Like you, people would come out here and really didn't know what to do. So they had a destination at that point. And I think the that Mayweather weekend is when we were like, okay, we 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 did it. We're this is we're comfortable. Mm-hmm. We're not afraid. We can do well, it. There's a market. There's a demand yeah. for it. And you we know can make I mean? it. And we can make it work. I think that after the Mayweather weekend, though, you d- we definitely knew. Wow, we can make money doing this. Wow, the crowd is gorgeous. Wow, this was a better party than anyone else. Yes, yeah, it and was. And I think that's that. The, even with the weekend, when we did the weekend the first time, you know, we went against the Gettas and the Calvins, but everybody, like, that was the coolest party. You know what I mean? Every, so like, every industry, every hot industry right. chick was there. Every, every DJ was there. Yeah. I think I was lucky to DJ. I was either DJing that night. I think you were, actually. I, I think was. you were. Yeah, because you you know you you were you were on the you were on the I was shocked the, the ten year Constantine rotation. Come I was, on, I was Park City. <laughs> <laughs> Park City, I, I was shocked. I had like five six DJs that you know I turned to for any you know Crooked was one of the guys we yeah. turned to for just about everything you know and so. But, but um, what do you call it? I want to know the moving pieces on getting that all coordinated. <laughs> all of those rappers there. Like, how does that work? Um, I mean, you have, you have a great club. You have you have a great staff who can coordinate people in and out. No, no, no. I know you're being you're doing that corporate no, I'm, shit I'm again. Not. <laughs> it's a sexy looking club too. Right? No, but listen, a lot of clubs are. I know you're are, on the phone yelling at motherfuckers like, "Yo, Fifty is on his way. Get to the fucking door. And yeah, make sure so, he's in there." And, blah, and, blah, blah, and blah, the blah. time and the timing of all the two because it's like you know, hey, you got to be here by this time. The guy that's supposed to go on stage goes on stage because it takes forever to get in the club. You know, you don't want to make Fifty and his team and his. Well, they don't wait, so don't like, wait. It's, a, it's a long <laughs> elevator ride. Right, right, right. check some I gotta fast. fucking wait. I gotta be like, I'm like, yo, I'm DJing. They're like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> it, 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 you know, it is a process sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But but listen, we, you know, you gotta you gotta follow the rules and deliver a safe and, and secure experience. We all know that in Vegas, but I think that uh, uh, you know the, the 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 best part about it or the hardest part about it is timing it right because you know, let's say uh, I think Fifty and Tyga had a song at the time or something, mm-hmm. and yeah. so. You know, you're waiting for 50 to show up. Tiger goes on. You're hoping he gets to the stage by the time that happens. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, there's two guys you want to get on. But, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, the beauty about a guy like 50 Cent and, you know, is because once he's there, it's like you don't have to really do the work anymore because he's going to be like, hey, he's come, come on stage. He's call him out. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. You have to come on stage. Like, yeah, no one's going to say no to 50, right? <laughs> I mean, they might. <laughs> he don't give them a lot of options, though. He's going to break I mean? their like, shit. He's going to break their balls, though, if they don't come on we, stage. Right? We did a billboard party. It was the billboard after party, and 50 did the party. It was yeah. 50 and Luda together, actually. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, whatever, the Kardashians were there or whatever. You know, everybody from billboard came, and, and you know, Wiz and Ty. At the time, Wiz and Ty had to deal with Tao, and, you know, and literally, 50, yeah, they were like, no, 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 I can't. 50's like, no, I need you up here. I need you. 50 put anyone who was, you know, would have made the night a little better for the, they were on stage that yeah. night. They had no choice. The, the girls, the Kardashian, <laughs> their assistants, the Ty Dollar, Wiz, they were, they didn't want to perform. They ended up performing. So, you know, really? he, he's funny like that. He'll, he'll look in the crowd. He'll find the person, that, you know, he'll make the experience happen. Yeah. You know, so. Is, do you, is he still on the contract at Dre's? Um, he he's still uh, an artist that we work with uh, okay. uh, all the time, and uh, you know we we've had a long standing relationship. Uh, you know, Fifty's one of my favorite artists, always has been. I think he's uh, as an actual uh, music artist, I think he's underappreciative because uh, he's underappreciated because of you know the the persona I guess that stands in front of him. I'm a big Fifty fan, and just as a as a guy, he just he's a great guy. He's very nice, very very courteous in person, very engaging, uh, easy to work with. Just mm-hmm. 
every, all about the all around one of my favorite people in the business. Who's who's your favorite artist? Uh, just at, period or like and like that's that's performed at Dre's. I mean, I, I don't know that I could say. I, you can't say I it, bro. Come on. Say it. The number one. No, I don't even mean like because I'm not supposed to. I just, I you know, I really do like a lot of the artists we work with for different reasons. You know, and I, you know, I mentioned Chris. You know, Chris is as close to like a a Michael Jackson talent. You know that. You know, because yeah. all of us, it's weird, right? Like you're in a bubble, but you know, when you're young, you know, all this stuff was on TV or some other shit, and you know, now it's kind of commonplace for us. But you know, to be around Chris you know today in some ways is like being around michael and prince 20 years ago right mm -hmm. like that's our version of it so mm -hmm. you know and and to me the weekend you know was uh, to this day is it just musically one of the most impressive you know uh, artists singers I, you know it's it's such a unique original sound they've been able to curate and yeah. create mm -hmm. first time i heard that you know when there was like a mixtape link i was like well, you know what the fuck is it you know i never heard anything ones. like it so uh I think creatively, you know, maybe he's one of my favorite artists, Chris, Future. Uh, you know, I mentioned 50. Nas is always, you know, to me is, you know, one of the greatest ever at everything. So, you know. Um, so I always, I always, we never talk about it sometimes, but I always say that you have an ear for like talent and you could have been like an A&R. Yeah. Because, so. I would have uh, rather had a jump shot, but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, you, do, you do sign or you do try new artists and you have them perform at Dre's Correct. even before mm. they blow up like literally almost I would say years like a year or a couple months before they blow up yeah. so like a like a you know new we had a, a new party after party at Dre's right um, and I remember you know we, we used to have a huge following that came there all right. the brands would be there yeah mm -hmm. and then I think me and Neville were DJing and then you're like yo I got this new rapper and then we're like yo 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 hold on well, what rapper is this? And you're like, Logic. Right. And then me and Neville were like, who the fuck we is Logic? Wow. <laughs> and, then, and then we're like, yo, we were, we, me and Neville were texting like, yo, awesome. he got this fucking weird rapper out at our party. And no Keep one's going to no one's yeah. gonna know who it is. You know, know what I mean? Logic. What and year then, was that? Fuck. It was, he was. Uh, 14? He, it was 14. 14? It was Damn. February. It was the February. So the first February. album was barely coming out. It, yeah. it just had come out like the week before. You're like, why am I playing gang related? Yeah, yeah no, that's not. Uh, but. <laughs> and, he, and he was, he wasn't the lot, you know, the logic today is like this, you know, cool buff kid that, no, you know. Before it was grimy. Back then was like, I, the, you know, the viral video of him where he's like, I don't go to clubs. I don't talk to people. Yeah. Uh, nobody. I'm alone. Like, that yeah. was the kid. And he was so nice from day he one. He looked like someone's little brother that they just pushed on stage. Because <laughs> he's, he's a true story. story Give him a mic, like, let him rap. No, like, literally, like, woke him up he and probably, was like, yo, go on, go on stage and start yeah. rapping. Yeah, he looked like, you know, the the, the hip-hop backpack kid that snuck in the club with, yeah. Dude, that was a you big know, fan somebody else's jeans. Like, he was, you know, he was, and that's kind of who he was at the time. Yeah. He had just popped but you were like yo this kid's gonna blow up and i'm like yo yo man i don't know and then he did he literally did like 45 minutes Look yeah but the crowd was like yo what is good what <laughs> is this shit i would have been screaming <laughs> no i mean i think everybody appreciates but i think you know that, that no i mean I'll, I'll be real with you no, i mean okay. like we were like yo this kid could rap we we're like all right man like but 45 it was like that minutes. lyrical miracle shit that you were like, right. No, we were just like, yo, man, 45. I was like, yo, man, everyone's going to leave. Everyone ended up kind of staying. Right. But we, it was definitely like, who the fuck? And I never forgot that name. And then as he started That's blowing fine. up, I was like, this motherfucker Constantine. <laughs> <laughs> listen, was, listen. This the, dude was the, on it. The, the first time uh, Logic, uh, Travis Scott, first two, three shows Travis yeah. Scott ever did in Vegas was a Dre's. 
I uh, remember that one. Future, future, future. Let me tell yeah. you, when we Meek Mill, when we signed Meek Mill, we signed Meek, Meek Mill's another artist. We were like, "Are you sure you're gonna do Meek yeah. Mill?" And we did uh, Meek Mill the week we booked it months in advance, but then his album came out that week before, and it was right before the whole you know Meek Mill Drake thing. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. That basically he finished our show, and a week later that happened. You know, without even getting that conversation. But when we did Meek Mill, it was like whoa. And then we had booked Future the next week, so everybody, you know, in in our circle or you know, yeah. paying attention to us was like, yo, Meek Mill, Meek Mill. And Future came in. It was like a tidal wave, like, uh, you know. And to be honest, uh, three or four months before that, I was like, ah, that's not in her lane yet. Blah 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 about Future. And I was at uh, we did Chris's birthday on a Tuesday yeah. at the Beach Club, and he made them play. Uh, Stick uh, talk. No, no, no. Uh, Where you asked was the that? Biggest songs. Uh, March Madness. March, March Madness. Madness. He had yeah. them play March, and it just come out at that time. He had them play March Madness like thirty times. Yeah. And when I heard that song, I was like, "What the?" I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like the minute I heard that song, I was like, <laughs> calling, the, you know, my boy BK, who, 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 you know, was also very involved in, you know, allowing us to work with Future and everything else. And I, you know, and, and that's kind of how I became friends because the minute I heard that song, I call him like twenty guys, twenty times a day, like, please, please, because you could just tell. Something March Madness like March Madness was like the biggest monster. Then there was like yeah. Real Sisters. And yeah. then it all kind of happened. Real yeah. Sisters. It for for a second it, it wasn't like a, a style of music. It was like future was cool. Like yeah. there was nothing yeah. else that was. Well, it was like it was such a new sound kind right, of. You yeah. know what I mean? But that was one that also we stumbled on that you know when we did it but that was such a big deal in vegas because it was so hood but ever, on some but, hip like on some hood hip right. hop, some mixtape yeah hip hop yeah. shit yeah. and it was like yo you're gonna put you're gonna have that dude perform in like a, a 1500 2000 right. person room right well it's crazy yo. well you know what well well what's funny is the the day before i think they did a free show and it got shut down and then we're like oh wow i think there's some momentum but uh I think that's also. Oh, yeah, in LA, House of Blues. Right, correct. So it was that yeah, same time yeah, yeah, frame. Yeah. His out, the, the Dirty Sprite album just came out. I think that's, you know, that's also part of where the luck and the stars come together because right. as we're like, you know, you, you have a guy like Victor Dre wants to do something different. You have a guy like Brian Affronte who's a hip hop head as well, you know what I mean? Who's who's the managing partner of Dre's and, and operates everything, who's also behind the scenes like, yeah, I, I want to do this, I, you know, and campaigning it and supporting it and making sure that, you know, we can run it in a way that people can't say anything's wrong with our experience. You have all those things kind of line up. You know, you have uh, music at the time too. Basically, hip hop kicked in the door, right? Around that same time frame. Yeah, 2015. And, and not just us, it, the radio, the clubs. Yeah. You know, electronic music kind of... It started to die down. It, was, it, down. it ran out of the hits. There was a part where basically EDM brought the ushers over and brought everybody over, so mm -hmm. they had those crossover records which are R&B and hip-hop. Mm -hmm. But at that point, that's when Drake, Future, Chris, I mean, that, the, the yeah. tidal wave of streaming, everything just became all hip-hop at the same time as we're kind of trying to kick in these doors but it was such a drastic uh i mean when you when you when you compare the two sounds right they're completely drastically Correct. different yeah one is like very emo dark you know what i mean like the hip it was like emo dark trap Do my future when it first started i mean all no. of that shit yeah everything yeah. and then you had like this high energy kind of like i don't know like it like you know very top 40 ish right mm -hmm. you know and then, yeah yeah it's true and then, because like when I first, because honestly, man, when I heard when I first heard March Madness, 
I didn't get it. I was like, Yo. what? See, I didn't. I didn't get future at all. Yeah, I didn't until get it. I heard, like yeah. until any time before that, I was like, oh, I don't know. Oh, it won't work. You know. But whatever. see, I liked. I like turn on turn on the lights. Yeah, yeah. I love that shit. That I love some of the other joints that he did. But yeah. then with March Madness, I was like, Yo, I don't. I don't get this. This is like some Rick no. Ross BMF shit. But right. It's like. But cooler. <laughs> yeah, but there was there was there's this you know, and it's funny. You listen to Victor talk about it. He sounds better than I do because <laughs> for a lot of reasons. But there's this melodic thing about Future. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like I don't, I don't want to call it singing, but it's like you know, he, he definitely has like this Jimi Hendrix artistic thing about him that's real. Mm -hmm. And so I think that mm -hmm. it started to really bleed in that mix. Like that Fifty Six Night mixtape is, you know, yeah. that's to me that. That kind of started that shift to everything being, you know, because really the, the. I mean, he started mumble rap, right? Like the he's I, the slow B, BPM. I, no, I don't know. We, I don't we know went that. to the. We already kind of fucking futures mumble rap. I wouldn't. I, 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 I disagree. When he came I out with like in the beginning, what? when he yes. came out with same damn yes, time. I don't know. I feel I like he and he was on racks on racks on racks. You didn't understand. No. You didn't understand. You didn't understand what he was saying. What was the first song with Lil Wayne? That there was a song with Lil Wayne that popped when he first came out. A bitch is love the, the bitch song. It's oh, like a karate song. Uh, it's called Karate Chop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got that karate Chop. Yeah. So Karate Chop. I remember. I remember hearing Karate Chop. Yeah. In fact, I probably had this conversation with you back in the day at the uh -huh. club, where I'm like, "What the? What are they? <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. What's going on to the world? You know, what are they saying?" But yeah. I, I think again, w you know, when you hear March Madness, you kind of hear the despair. You hear the. You hear the the sincere level of like you know it's a classic when 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 you know you're when you're caught in the fast life and, and you you know it's too fast but you're not going to slow it down I mean you, you kind of hear those those real messages mm -hmm. and I He's think saying that, something and and that really is what uh, you know for better or for worse the club hip hop culture has become this kind of you know fast life you know uh, but uh, you would never think that that was a club record do you know what I'm know. saying in LA was banging bro no I'm saying like, it's a hip hop be, record I was scared it's a hip hop record to play that song because it was like the BPM was so slow but that's what like I'm the, saying right. like compared to EDM and what we have to play yeah. and then someone's like play March Madness I would right. be like nah man you crazy it's like work no one's I mean, like you know what I mean yeah, you and probably would have thought the same about Dreams and Nightmares yeah, same thing with that build up that fucking 30 minute build up I mean Dreams and Nightmares I can get a little bit more than but the way it comes in it was like a minute minute 20 build up you wasn't thinking that you could just ride that out and then let it hit I mean look dude how long did it take to really hit though where like where like it crossed it didn't play for like a year and a half in the club I mean like the homies would play it but like first time I heard Dreams and Nightmares in the club was at at Ling Ling Club, but it didn't it was, really. It, it didn't been out for a while. <laughs> that but it song came out in 2012. But it was, like, it was literally on ice, and it, it no, it, it didn't move at all. None. It didn't wait, wait, but it didn't blow up till you know, home, homeboy came out of jail. 2012, 13. I'm telling you, that's the first time I ever heard that song. No, no, no. It was. I mean, it was popping then, but then like it didn't really, really get. It big. blew up 2014, 15. I didn't have white people requesting that shit. It was <laughs> but basically what like, I'm trying to say. What you saying? When he got out of jail this past year? Yeah, yeah. I had white people. I had white people. The Eagles played at the Super Bowl. Well, listen. I mean, you listen. Meek Mill's another example. I think that uh, it's it's never over. It's yeah. never it's never as bad as you think it is. I mean, look at Tiger. Shit. I think <laughs> now nah, he always kept the head. I'm I'm always gonna fight that. Right. Well, listen, it, the it, Tiger gets one or two more records, and then you put them all next together in a catalog. Tiger got a lot of records. Well, yeah. I think that this are is hit. He has like ten. So, right if now. anyone had the best year this year, it's Little Duval. 
Because that right. motherfucker yes. should not have had a song at all. He should, he should uh, try to get a uh, residency. But there. yo, come on. Tiger, Tiger had the biggest comeback of anybody. Oh, yeah. Comeback player of the year. Man. I, I, well, I always I'm, thought he was there. Yes. I never caught him out. I, I never counted him out. I think, come on. I think t- I, people were shitting I on never, Tiger, nah, bro. Nah, yeah. I, think, I don't care. They were. You're, you're, I'm not saying I was. I was saying, though. Kardashian curse. They were yeah, saying. No, no, no. Listen, I think there comes a point when, you know, other things start talking instead of the music, and that's a problem. And I think that. Uh, to Tiger's credit, after a while, he, you know, put good product out. And at the end of the day, I think he was a little lost though for a little bit. Like when he was doing that, like I'm a one of one. That <laughs> that shit that sounded like controller. Hey, he had to get it out of his system, bro. Come on, he started dancing. He started like no, hey, he, he, he was I'm doing a, like controller, I'm like auto tune. I'm gonna focus on the wins that he had. But <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, I, yo, fam, Frank City was still I'm Tiger. Totally kidding. I'm, I'm a Tiger like, fan. I'm a Tiger fan. You too, are. But, that's true, right? But, but I'm looking at the market and and it, and. Listen, we and we, when, if someone emails me like, "Yo, I got the new Tiger," right? There was a time where I would, I would have been like, "I," right. and I would have been like, "I'm not playing that shit." Right. But now it's like, no, if there someone, was, listen, if, someone there, if someone says like, "Yo, did you hear that new Tiger?" I'm gonna I'm open my laptop and I'm gonna listen you to it, download now. it. It's now. true. You know what yeah. I mean? And he has a better song in that CZ or whatever record. His yeah. his song is better than the original. Yeah, better opinion. than the Kodak Black. I mean, yep. yeah, with him and um, Sway Lee. So when you had like a logic, was that a hard sell because it's such a new artist? I, I think at the time it was like a routed date and it was a Sunday and it was yeah. a Janet. So it was like, okay, this is the right time to try it. Mm-hmm. You know, randomly. I was like, like why did you try it with our party? That's kind of why. I was like, I'm like, let me sabotage this shit. No, I'm just kidding. Nah. Uh, uh, you know, look, I don't. Nothing's been hard because I think that you know one of the things that when I when I met Victor, when I started at Dre's, and to this day, why it's you know, look, any job you have, no matter what, there's goods and bads, right? And you know, you want more, you want less, whatever. But the beauty is being at a, an actual table of people, right? So you know, sometimes you talk to a guy and he talks to a guy, then that guy talks to a guy. To be able to actually be in the room with all the people that are going to be involved in any level of input and hash out those conversations, uh, you know, our team has been, you know, very organic and and how we've approached everything. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, no one's had fear. So because all those things, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's been the environment where I can do my research and have cognitive, good conversations with people. And, you know, I love to hear input. You know, I I love to hear from the busser, from the waitress, from the customer, from someone I haven't talked to in a while. You know, I know when I'm having a good party when people I don't talk to start calling me. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, you know, something's working out. But, uh, you know, it's it's all kind of just come together. And and, and I think, you know, the the, the big thing is, is there's a lot of good music out. There was another um, time you had me DJ at Dre's and G-Eazy was performing. And then when I was DJing, he was like, yo, I got another guy performing. His name is Post Malone. <laughs> another dude who I did not know True who story. the fuck that was. True story. Uh, you know, what's funny is when I first came to Dre's, they actually had to deal with capital. And originally my 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 role was to, to help build this label that it kind of didn't, you know, end up developing the way, you know, we had in mind. But... Uh, I was like, hey, there's this guy I've been listening to, Post Malone, Post, please, let's Post Malone, Post Malone. And they were like, oh, okay, new guy, relax, Post Malone, Post Malone. So finally, you know, after we started going, you know, people started picking up that, like, Iverson, you know, that whole first yeah. mix. Yeah, You know, right. po- Post Malone's first, you know, seven, eight tracks is reminiscent of, of the, the weekend shit to me. Like, you know, that minute I heard... You know, it got played so much, so maybe people don't appreciate. But those first that those first SoundCloud, whatever you want to call it, it was so good to me. And then, when but, there, he, but there was like, but there was a bunch of those uh, white 
kind of like I felt like he was trap first. R&B, trap R&B Jordan. I so. felt like he was first. I don't know if he was. Who was the, who was the other dude that had a black do rag on? Remember, he would have like a sweater and he had a black do rag, and I would always mix him up with Post Malone. It was some SoundCloud rapper. Damn, I don't Man. remember. Yeah, you're in your uh, own on that one, buddy. Huh? You're in your own on that one. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. It was fucking huge. I forgot his name. I, I can find it on YouTube, but uh-huh. it was so fucking huge. And because at my store, everybody was listening to this right, shit. Right. And then they were listening to Post Malone at the right. same time. And I'm like, yo, where are you finding this fucking music? And right. they're like, yeah, we just listened to SoundCloud. And I, I know who you're talking about. You know what I'm talking I don't about. I don't talk about that. I can't think of his name. I and know he was exactly in the snow. He was like in the winter. Yeah. And he was just singing. <laughs> and it was the same thing like, why do I have a son? He was yeah. just literally singing like, Doo-doo. he was doing this, like this emo trap R&B shit. And we were like, yo, Damn, what I is this I forgot about shit? him. I know That's exactly a good rendition though that you. I mean, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could. I'm a researcher. And, <laughs> and he had a. Let's sing the full version. He used to wear the sweater with the turtleneck sweater. Yeah, the turtleneck. And With then the he do-rag. had a do-rag, a white, yeah. What? No fucking right now. Man, I can't look, yeah. look it up. Anyway, before we move on uh, here to the next topic, I just want to make sure you guys know that this episode of the Road Podcast is sponsored and brought to you by DJ City. DJ City is the leading supplier of new music for DJs around the world. Since 2001, they've been providing working DJs with the latest club and radio songs, including exclusive intros, remixes, acapellas, and more. Any DJ can subscribe. If you started yesterday, if you started today, if you started last week or 10 years ago, any DJ can subscribe for less than a dollar a day. You can get all the tools needed to rock a party, club, mix show, and a bar mitzvah. Even a quinceanera could be thrown in there. Shout out to DJ Santa Rosa with the best Latino edit and remixes. So yeah, there you have it. Please check out DJCity.com for more info. So that is DJCity.com for more info. So it's DJCity.com. Dot com for more info. You got that? Let's get back into it. I have a question, uh, Constantine. Um, in LA, we would have like artists come through the club and they would do like three songs and then out. What made it? Or how did you find that spot or that pocket where you do 45? Uh, or how did you figure that, that out? That's a good question. I'd probably be in trouble if I hadn't, I hadn't brought that up while I was here. But, you know, our, our whole thing from, from the from the second we started having conversations about it and you know, it was really cool. I, you know, I was at a new place, and and uh, it was a very different than where I was before. And, you know, I'd work till like 6, 7 at the end of the night, and I'd go upstairs, and, you know, Dre's is beautiful outside on the rooftop. Yeah. And, and Victor would be there with the chef. <laughs> and, like, you know. Like a, Raekwon? Or a, like, a, you know, like, like the guy from Fantasy Island. You know what I mean? Like, he'd be like, oh, come join me. I have dinner. You know, and he had, like, a whole prepared dinner, and you're, you're like, okay, sure, great. And then you start having this, like, you know, awesome conversation about, Oh man, it'd be cool if we did this. It'd be cool if we did this. And instead of someone like, uh, you know, like, what yeah, think about it? Yeah, let's do it. So, uh, you know, from day one, the whole thing was we felt that the 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 three to five song hosting stuff was like cheating the fans. And and I don't mean that no disrespect to anybody, but even sometimes I'll, I'll talk to artists and I, and I book them for a hosting event somewhere or something, and and you know they'll be like, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do two to three songs, and I'm like, listen, I say five songs because the fans are gonna be mad at you, not me. You know, yeah. so like to me, you know, for us, and, and this kind of goes back to Park City, what we had, you know, the, the whole idea that I was trying to, you know, that, that and, and again, Victor was as obsessed about it as possible. Like if he came in and heard me on the phone and I was like, well, you could do 30 minutes, he'd be like, hang up, hang up. Yeah. <laughs> like it was passionate because our whole thing is we wanted to deliver a real show. Right. You know, no hosting. Yeah. You know, we fought with people. You know, we almost lost deals because we had to put live in concert on the flyer. Yeah. And people go, oh, it's not. Yes, it is a concert. Well, it's not. a. Well, then make it a concert. 
you know, so we paid more than we maybe should have. Uh, we, we were aggressive. We, people would be like, oh, well, I, I, I make more if I do a full show. Well, what do you make? You know, for us, it was all about having 1.30, the lights pop down, and it's a real show that you just showed up in at a club in Vegas. And, you know, we say to guys a lot of time when we were trying to convince them to do it because, you know, even though Dre's a club, it's a 70,000 square foot, 4,500 capacity club. So it's like that's an amphitheater in a lot of other places, right? Yeah, so, sure. you know, yeah. uh, after a while we would tell people like, you know, if you're if you're a fan of you as an artist, where do you want to be, you know, in a, in a stadium or 10 feet from you, at, you know, in this venue? drinking champagne with your buddies you know it's just a, yeah. a more engaging experience we thought so mm -hmm. and i feel like a lot of people don't understand you guys have an actual built-out stage correct yeah and i hear you, you guys like oh, choreography with the dancers correct like it's, the lighting everything is set up to be like a concert venue almost yes yeah, very much so and, yeah. and, and, and it transitioned that way so when, when we before we started doing it if you remember the the you would walk in the dj booth was very much very all live yeah yeah uh mm -hmm. some of the people uh joe lopez who's who, who's now i think at sls or not, I think he is at SLS. Mm -hmm. Joe used to be one of the original operators for Live Miami. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they really, when they built the venue, and, and if there's one thing Victor Dre is a savant, like Van Gogh, you know, Kanye, genius, whatever you want to call it, at his craft, it's designing a nightclub. You know, so, mm -hmm. you know, excess yeah. is Victor Dre. Yeah. You know, so Trist, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, and and before that, it was Labette, and Labette didn't work, and Victor came in and turned into Trist, and it worked for a right. long time. Yeah. And you know, when you look at Dre's, it, you know, uh, it, as much as you know, we thought of this or we did this, it, the venue is really what allows us to do so much. The way it's one long shot room, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? The way the stage is, the tables are situated. Yeah. There's really not a bad line side of the stage. There's actually a real big dance floor. There's people for GA audience to enjoy. But you guys yeah. keep updating the stage. Every time I Correct. go there, it changes. And you I should have seen the Halloween one. This was f cool as fuck. Yeah, uh -huh. I mean, but not even the, the, the look, like the layout, the functionality oh, of everything right. changes literally for each artist. Yeah, and, 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 and that's that's the the you know the jumping in a business of actually doing shows right. is very different than you know it's like a dj it's like comes with one or two buddies uh -huh. you know there's 14 15 people production advancing backline you know we're a whole different uh, environment and again we couldn't have done that anywhere else so and again that that also goes to the company's commitment we would tell people bring the band right. don't you know bring it if you can like we would push to make those things happen yeah. even though a lot of people would say oh the customers don't know they don't care you know victor didn't care for him there's an art to it and i think you know that piece really as you know has defined us to be well honest. even you guys adding the like the drummer with the dj that's now, right yeah, yeah some park city shit for sure yeah <laughs> but, that's, but that's like we used to have the drummer yeah, remember yeah. we but again that's one of those things that like i think uh uh jeremiah's drummer dalton who's who's you know one of three drummers we work with now he came early and i was like hey go play the drums with franny and then 10 minutes later, Victor's like, every night, there better be a drummer here. And we're yeah. like, oh, okay. You guys it just changes the vibe. It gives that um, that live feeling even yeah. when there's a set going on. It, re it really fleshes out the yeah. music. If there's if there's a, a piece of the style people should bite in other other markets, I think that having a drummer with the DJ gives body to the music. You know, It sounds different to the club. Mm -hmm. You walk by, it almost feels like you're at right, a live right, show right. even if you're not. Uh -huh. um, I mean, it goes back to Travis Scott and DJ Am shit. You're right. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Do you guys still use um, Amadeus? We do. Uh, Amadeus is, from, our, is uh, our resident drummer. Oh, really? Yeah. From Man, the Bronx. <laughs> what a great guy, yeah. by the mm -hmm. way. Really, really sharp guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes music. I think yeah. he had like 
eight or nine songs on Chris's last album. And oh, I didn't know that. Wow. He's yeah. good, too. Like, yeah. there's nights that just people that don't pay attention are like, man, that guy's so good on the drums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you guys are the most expensive uh, production club in the world, right? I, you know, I don't know necessarily. That's what I heard. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that the the the, tr- the thing that falls from the roof at, at Omni, I'm sure, is is up there. I mean, we're we're close for sure. I mean, let's. I think like visually, the TV, the, the, the lights, vision, yeah, it's fourteen thousand square feet of LED. The disco ball. I mean, I think that disco ball is in the millions. It's, I mean, they bought that before I was there, but uh, the venue is beautiful. And 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 again, like you said, because we have a stage, we're able to do things other people can't. I think it's dope when clubs continually to uh, continue like updating and changing things around. Correct. Like that, I would say. Honest to be completely honest, I think that's why Tao is still in business right now. It's right. because they're adding LEDs, they're moving the DJ booth, they're, ch- they're always changing things around. They're just really just making right. the most of that space and then and really adapting to whatever's mm-hmm. happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's every time I've come to Dre's either to work or hang out, right? I notice something changing. Like, oh, they did they did this, well, you know, and then, like you know. Well, I think it's cool now because you have Dustin Dre, who you know I think uh, just turned yeah. twenty five or twenty six, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know he's he's as sharp as if he was thirty five, forty. I mean, very sharp kid, very humble, very grounded. But he, you know, it, it's cool to see somebody like that that is empowered to to just get shit done, right? That's so Victor like, Dre's son, yeah. Correct. Uh-huh. So you know, in in, in in just very black and white, you know, he's he's the future of the legacy, right? right. So you know. Uh, he definitely is growing into that role and at the end of the day that's that's the role and he's like super humble so humble and you know get you, just gets it done forget about all that yeah. if if he was one of the guys I'd take him in front of just about anybody that I've ever worked with just because of just pure skill and, and get shit done but the, but going into kind of what you're saying about changing it's cool to see you know Victor's one of those guys that walk into a room and go straight to the light lighting guy and be like why is that light over there dimmer than this light like you know he's that mm-hmm. detail oriented and to see that pass on to dustin <laughs> and then see that passed on to ba because you know ba's been with victor since you know b- basically back in the excess days and everything else so you know you see both those guys now have those those instincts in them where they move the paint they paint this they move the elevator you know they move the light they move the chairs they they create new booths they do different things right, and right. so mm-hmm. you know there's this continual now listen i think vegas if there's anything about vegas that you know, I don't know if I could be somewhere else in this business. It's because, it, you know, Vegas, everything, it's not real, right? Everything's the best. And I think that the people too, right? Like all the best DJs, all the best waitresses, all the best bartenders, all the best marketing guys, you know, right. it's like, mm-hmm. it, it's so cool to be in. Well, in Vegas it. is a standard for for nightlife in general, I, right? I think so, yeah. right? It yeah. really is. It's really more a food and beverage and entertainment town than a gambling town, to be honest with you. Yeah. Right now. Even, right now, definitely. Even the money, yeah. the money's better in F&B and, and, and entertainment by far. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, uh, I think we're, we're all lucky to do what we do. You, know, well, you, you mentioned, uh, were you gonna ask something? Uh, it's about artists. I wanted to know, like, do you have? Do you like just do a year contract and you try to keep it refreshed every other year, or, or how do you go about that? Because I, I like when y'all announce like, oh, this year's resident is so and so, and it's some somebody different from last year. I think I think like all the venues in town, you know, we try and only do long term relationships with people, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, everything we do is for the long haul. We want to create partnerships. And, you know, work on their brand and our brand. And, and, you know, when they have a new album coming out, you know, maybe there's two artists that perform with them on that album. We want to get them there. So I think that uh, the, the answer to your question is yes. E- everything we do is long term. And, you know, we definitely want to 
align artists with our club in an exclusive way so you know people know where to find certain people and you know it worked out well for us because everybody else had been making a lot of long-term investments in the electronic music world and yeah we made investments you know in the hip-hop world and in the urban world and and mm-hmm. and now uh people are are all of a sudden deciding to come to, to this party uh, and I don't mean the customers. I mean now other our people are programming hip hop, right? So yeah. it's now starting to come, in, you know, in reverse. The same situation we were in when there was no DJs to sign. Now you're kind of finding a similar situation where mm-hmm. you know a lot of the acts kind of live at Dre's and and, and they will be for the long run. Uh, I have like a the way nightclubs run right now with DJ residencies. It just changes every night. There's literally like I remember. Uh, you know, obviously in the 2000s, you had like one DJ uh, weekly on one night. So right. like Fridays, you would have, you know, uh, I don't know, like AM. Right. And then Saturdays at the club, you'd have another dude. Right. And then their industry night, you'd have the one DJ. Right. And then um, obviously you had different openers and it may switch up once in a while. Right. But that consistency of having the same DJ a building that one night with his own style kind of uh created you know like a character to the nightclub sure you know what i mean sure and nightclubs don't do that anymore so it doesn't seem seems like sometimes when you go to nightclubs they don't have that that character right, there's not that. like a texture that's authentic to that venue right Yeah, because yeah. like like people will come up to me and they'll be like yo what's popping or on a wednesday or, or uh like what's popping on a tuesday or monday right and sometimes i'm like yo i mean obviously i, I know never so i'm like yo wednesday go go see never right but Throughout the other nights, I'm like, I don't know how. There's this, not one guy that plays on one night. Yeah, I don't know how Jewel's gonna sound on a Monday. I don't know how, uh, you know, uh, how Omnia, Hard Omnia is gonna sound right. on a Tuesday because I don't know Cause it's who's so, gonna be there. It's so all over the place, right? right. I think, uh, you know, it's funny you make that point. I think, I think there's two sides of that, right? I think one one thing, if you're if you're in the box and you're programming, you want to allow people to say different things sometimes. Yeah. So there's value in being able to say, oh, last t- tonight we have this guy, Tonight, tomorrow we have the, this guy. Right. Because if you're like, uh, tonight and tomorrow it's this guy, uh-huh. you know, that can be a problem. I think that uh, it's funny you say that because, you know, uh, Franzen has, you right. know, to his credit become synonymous with Dre's in, in, right. in a yeah, lot yeah. of ways. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, he is, you know, definitely tied to the DNA of that, you know, Sunday, the Sundays and, you know, a lot of what we do. And I think part of why, you know, again, everything's, we've been very fortunate. A lot of these things have been these natural fits, but he is kind of a, a, a microphone DJ in the sense mm-hmm. that like, you know, he, he, he's as good as anyone I've ever seen at, right. at, you know, controlling verbally the crowd and taking them on this kind of music journey and, 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 you know, speaking throughout it. Um, and, and again, because of the live music, because of the things we're doing that all just fit into place. And then, you know, now, you know, it's fair to say, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Franzen is our in-house guy that's always yeah. DJing. So, you know, he has been able to kind of create exactly what you're talking about, which right. I think sometimes can be missing. Which is what I wanted that to consistency. Actually, what I wanted to touch on because not only are you guys maybe the only all hip hop club kind of predominantly hip hop sure. club, right? At the nightclub, yeah, yeah. But you guys also literally, and it was like you said, it was like kind of like perfect. Everything kind of just kind of fits perfectly into place yeah but having friends in there and friends and being this like hip-hop right dj i mean with roots into hip-hop correct stem really deep he knows pretty much everyone that like if, if there's someone that's going to perform at dre's yeah he's like he's the, tied to them in he's some like way. the less 
known Cal- Filipino version of Khaled in some ways, right? Like, right. He, <laughs> yeah. and I don't mean less known because you know artists know him. I mean, you know, you know, globally people. Yeah, Khaled has more fans than Franny, right? So like, I'm just, outside of that, he's the same guy. I mean, right. you, you know, you yeah. see the picture of him and Biggie, you're like, bro, how old are you? Like, when uh-huh. when did that? Yeah. Right. So like, and, and uh, listen, Brian Brian Fronte gets credit for Franny. I. I yeah. We all had a lot of relationships, whether it was with you or well, like with I, a lot I of remember it. when I would first come DJ and Franzen would be opening for me, and I'd be so embarrassed, right? Because I'm like, why? Like I felt like he's this legend. I would literally tell him like, yo, like I'm, like I'm sorry, like I have to, like <laughs> I'm sorry that like you have to do. This. I, I would I would rather just open for myself. Like I just, I don't know. I was just always like, and then when I would hear him, I'm like, yo, you this is your room. I would always tell right. him like, yo, this is your fucking room, and then. Seeing him grow with the club, like literally yeah. watching a DJ grow with the club, yeah, and and building that character within the club for sure to the point where he's more than a DJ, he's like a host, yeah, right, yeah, absolutely, where, absolutely. He, where he's coming up and he's interacting with the performers, they yep. know him, you know, they're having drinks, and it's like, I'm like, yo, that I think that is amazing, and it's built such a character, yeah. For a club, you know, so and he impresses me. I mean, he yeah. really, he really, you know, look, there's some guys that like, you know, uh, c- you know, can go into this like, uh, you know, backpack hip hop set, or some guys are great at scratch, and there's some guys, you know, can play everything from, you know, Bon Jovi to to new shit or whatever, and some guys just know how to own a room, and he's so good at it, and and again, I'm telling you, like. Dre's is the perfect place for him, and he's the perfect yeah. guy for Dre's, right? right? It's so almost like, like yeah, yeah. it's just like it's so perfect, like the Matrix. I, you, you know, know what? <laughs> is this part of my dream too? Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where it made like when I would hear him in there, I'm like, yo, this was this room was made for you, yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Not only that, like the time that we're in right now, where hip hop is right now, correct? It's like the perfect time. It's like thank God that Friends is in Vegas. You know right. what I mean? 100%. At this time to do this and when i see him like uh and when i see him you know he's bubbling like he's blowing up he's going to like drake shows yeah. he's like he's doing all of these like uh these next level things and i'm like yo uh there was a time during the edm era where he right. wasn't on the strip because he couldn't because because no one and listen i, I said all the time because sometimes i get you know uh now it's a little more competitive to book yeah. people and you know i'll have that conversation like listen two years ago they wouldn't let you in the club right and now they want you to, now they want to pay you to go there Right. You know, so it's like, you know, th- there's been a big transformation all over mm-hmm. the country, but especially in Vegas, where, you know, a, a guy like Franny, who is a proper hip hop DJ, right? Yeah. A lot of the open format DJs had that kind of canned, you know, play a little rock, play a little EDM, play right. a little hip hop. Yeah. And that's not Franny, right? So, mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, again, I didn't see it because I was caught in my own world. But when we started him, I didn't know the whole background. Mm-hmm. You know, Afranti was like, yo, he knows this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. And again, I had my usual sp- suspects I'd work with. And, you know, Franny came in and, and he kicked in the door and, and kind of took it. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, mm-hmm. it, you know, literally we had a whole, there came a point where we were doing them and then we were just like, that's that's all we should probably do because it mixes so well. It reminds and, me of like Sunday Live. Like, uh, 100%. like, you know, like with, uh, yeah. with Stevie J. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But like, if you think of Shout any leg- Gardner, I talked to him. <laughs> if you think of any legendary party, even in New York, mm-hmm. there was always a DJ attached to it. Correct. And I think the problem now in other nightclubs. Correct. Is that there's no DJ attached to any night. Right. Do you know what I mean? Unless yeah, that's it's, true. Unless mm-hmm. it's like Calvin Harris. Besides Sundre, no. you're right. Unless it's those guys. Right. right. There's, there's literally no, 
DJ like it was, it was attached uh, to a night. Vice had Lavo Sundays. Yeah, uh, yeah. AM, yeah. AM had that big. AM you know, the but Saturday. I, but I also, but I also think they, English. I also think they started giving uh, residencies and naming nights after like some some whack DJs, and it just yeah. kind of fell through. I fucked everything right. up. Yeah, because everyone was like, "Yo." This dude's like a celebrity DJ. Let's give him a night. Let's call him like right. blah, 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 Fridays. <laughs> and everyone would go and be like, yo, this shit is whack. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so true. like, I think obviously there's a realm for that. But Franzen is definitely deserving. If not, he should, you know. Yeah. He, he's that dude that could create something. Because like, you know, su- Sundays. Shout, out, at, shout su- out to Gino and Franny. Yeah. yeah. Shout yeah. out to Franzen. Sundays <laughs> could have been legendary on Dre's, at Dre's. Just just with the acts that you had. Right. But Franzen is like that missing piece that brings it all together. Dude, he'd, be make, sending, you know? he'd be sending shots to the girls out in the crowd. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a listen, whole listen, fucking uh, show uh, by itself. And, and Franny and Gino don't just show up on Sunday. I mean, they're there Monday, Tuesday. Went. They come in the office. They show up to marketing meetings. They'll come to us, and they made their own video for a party. Like, yeah. you know. The, well, you, Jamie, you made I, a video. Yeah, I made a video for one of, okay, great. One of the house. Oh, uh, what was that party they shoot. did? That was like 90s, 2000s? House party. Franzen's yeah, house party. House, he's still uh, doing like yeah. once a month, right? The nineties uh, about once a month, yeah. He's yeah, having yeah. one in November. Just well, he does here. a few. He does like this for uh, all black parties, fatigue party, right? So, like so you know, listen, all white party. I, I <laughs> think, I think, anytime, uh, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the clubs on the industry nights will, you know, mix themes into the parties and yeah, everything yeah. else. I think that you know, as we do the sundries thing, you know, we we had the sundries name. Uh, when I got there, that was one of the first marketing things I did is we created the Sundrace logo mm-hmm. and we started the Sundrace party, but it didn't really become Sundrace until Friends and, until friends yeah, and yeah. you know, and again, it, again, back to kind of all that timing shit, like we hit our groove, we, they hit our groove. It all happened at the same time. It all kind of started moving up. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, to, to those guys credit, it, you know, it's fair for them to kind of feel like Sundrays is there, uh-huh. theirs, even though, you know, it might've started a little before them, but it kind of turned into what it's been right, right. because of them. And, uh-huh. and again, you know, it's like, uh, it's, it's cool to see, right? Like it's cool to see, uh, different things. And, you know, that's just in life, right? I think we're going through it in the world right now where, you know, there's this like fight between people who like diversity and people who aren't sure about diversity. Right. right? right, right. And so it, it's cool to see the way people have welcomed everything and, and the way that it's all worked. And, and you know, it, it just kind of goes back and you, know, you talked about having an ear and an A&R, right. Or even being a DJ, right. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot of music that I, I thought was going to be big and wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And I've booked a lot of shows where I booked it a little bit too early and the guy blew up and I lost my money because he, you know, I got it too early. So, right. you know, you learn that you have to be, you know, there's there's behind the curve, ahead of the curve and on the curve. You know what I mean? And I think that especially in this business in, in Vegas, it's about being right on the curve. Right. Because yeah. if you're there too early, you know, like a la logic. Right. Yeah. People are like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. If you do it with the weekend, they're like genius. You're right, brilliant. Right. right. So it's yeah. like catching it right as it happened. I think that, you know, organically those things happen with trades as people had kind of had enough of not being able to hear any words at the club you know what i mean as people were sick of that you know the same sandstorm or whatever all these songs mm-hmm. hip-hop kind of came out with a plethora of music club music all that stuff kind of happened all together and well now you see nightclubs doing what you guys are doing right now right they're kind of following in the same suit as you they're booking 
they're trying to find like hip hop show resident like uh, hip hop rappers to like sure yeah, yeah perform and do yeah, they, all that they, stuff. They, mm-hmm. they dip their toe in the pool a little bit right now for sure. Yeah, <laughs> dip. <laughs> they I mean, jumped in the. <laughs> they're definitely uh, what do you call it? They're definitely following after you guys to a certain point. So, do, is it harder to lock down like artists nowadays uh, because mean, of that? I, th- I think that because know, obviously, obviously, I mean, I know how the negotiation thing is, right? I mean. You don't you don't want one venue to to you don't want one venue to put in a proposal. You want like two to three venues, and then you want to leverage it and bring the money if, up. If right? you're the, if you're the you mean if you're the artist, yeah. If you're, if the, you're artist, the artist, right? Yeah, like, yeah. No, no. I prefer it's just us. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> don't do this. It won't work. I mean, you want you want to be like, well, you know, I want to be at Dre's, but I just talked to this club, sure, and they're, and yeah. they're offering me twenty percent more. Have you ever been like, yeah, just go over there, man? Uh, I think that uh, because we are so different, the 45 minutes, the venue, the stage, the experience, and for how much we've been doing it more than everybody else, it's definitely a a clear decision, you know what I mean? Like, look, this is tried and true. This is an experience. Or I can go and kind of, you know, uh, maybe get some easier money over here because I only have to do three to five songs or whatever the case. I think that... uh, uh, you know, so all, really, it really depends on the artist, actually. It it, it does, and, and, and what they're comfortable with. Co- co- very much so. So, like you know, uh, uh, Cole, Cole, for example, J. Cole, yeah. J., J., one of the greatest guys in the world. Yeah, very down to earth. But you know, he he is so in tune with his fans and his music. Mm-hmm. You know, doing forty minutes in a club for him, it's it, easy. W- no, actually, you, you don't know, think so. No, well, I mean, he told me himself. Meaning that's why you you know you don't see Cole at Dre's because for him, his show for forty minutes is not a club show. You know what I'm saying? So uh-huh. like now, now when I was there, I was like, "Look, yo, you're crazy. Do whatever the fuck you want. I, I People thought, love you." I thought when he performed because I saw him at Dre's and he, when Force Hills he, dropped. Yeah, so we did the first J Cole show and, and that we, was amazing and it was awesome and we sold. As many tickets, I think, as we've ever sold. I mean, they were cheaper yeah. tickets, but it we were like 2,700 tickets. Like, we pre-sold 2,700 tickets. Right. And uh, the show was amazing, but, you know, you get a guy like Cole or Nas or certain people that, you know, like we just had J-Rock, right? So if you go to a TDE show at House of Blues in, in you know, Utah, every fan is singing every J-Rock song for five years. Right, in right. the club, they're like, when, 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 when comes on, they're like, oh, okay, this is great. The other songs, they don't. You know, they don't know they, not as much right the club guy doesn't so right, right. I, I think you know the, the guys that are a little more the commons or whatever they're a little more in tune with that and it's and it's in their head i mean they're very conscious or you know it's funny i remember once you know nas was like nervous for a show and i'm like bro you know who the fuck you are you know what i mean like right but they're so in tune with it and they care about their craft that sometimes what we do in the club hasn't mixed perfectly right right i think you know other than that uh i see i i disagree just because i think j cole is one of the, the I don't think that he I, thought. I, yeah, well, I think he's wrong. I think he get whatever he thinks he's. I think he's wrong. I, because I agree. Come back because he, he, perform, he performs. He performs so <laughs> like his performance is so Bro, he's, strong. He's awesome. That even when you don't know the song, yeah, you kind of are like, yo, we agree. Listen, he's, uh, he's performing the shit out of it, when, and I this song kind of sounds dope because when when Forest Hills when he performed, I think he did like the whole album. Yeah, at, uh, it Dre's. was awesome. And there were songs that I didn't know, but I was like, yo, this shit is dope. Like, I got to hear this one again. Yeah. I was just like, damn, he's really killing. But he was performing the shit out of it. Yeah, and listen, know? it's not that he might. Just, it, again, people, certain people. To are him, like, it didn't translate as, as, as what he wanted. Because, you know, right? in, in 
the kind of person, everything to him is so right. real and sincere and like, mm -hmm. you know, he's not a club guy. So in his head is like, I'm not a club guy. I didn't really make this music for the club. Right. Do I want to, you know, these guys are trying to turn up and I'm not really yeah. a turn up guy. I can now, see what you're saying. Yeah. Now, in, in, in a, in a, in a, if it ever evolves, which uh -huh. I, I hope everything continues to evolve, I think that's where I wish the nightclub experience goes, that it could be uh, Florence and the Machine or it could be, you know, Chris Brown, meaning on a Saturday night, you know, it's open, it's the DJ that plays, you know, a lot of the music we love, but then, you know, it could be any kind of music. I think that's, that's the cool thing we had with Sundance where you could do anything. That'd and, be dope. And it was just about a dope live show in a club setting. I think that, you know, Vegas is different because it's a party town. But blah, is it, blah, blah. is it feasible now? I feel like, I think, don't, don't you think that music is so segregated more than ever? Yes. Yes. I think so. Uh, I think there's certain things you could do without spilling the beans yeah. that transcend genres. They might not, but the problem is, is economics are so tied to your decisions, right? So right. it's hard to do things without only thinking about, or, or without mainly thinking about the bottom line. Uh -huh. So, you know, it, it's the whole, uh, you know, you, you might not make as much, but visually you make something from it. So, you know, being able to maintain, find those opportunities. Uh, but it's just an opportunity loss, you know, when you know something works, right? You can't not make that money, you know what I mean? I just, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I feel like technology has gotten in the way with a lot of shit, like of uh, everything, because yeah. uh, you can, like, you know, kids aren't even like we grew up listening to what our parents listened to, yeah. right? We grew up listening to whatever was on outside in our neighborhood, right? Right, right, right. What, what, the the black, what our older people were listening right. to in the cars. And now we were forced to listen to that, but now kids have their own the phone. They're they're connected, and they're growing up differently to music that they choose to grow up to. Like you and know it's what I mean? Usually, like music just in time, right? Really because of that, I think time. music is less segregated. I know you said you think it's more, but I almost think music in a lot of ways is way less segregated. No, no, I think it's it's well. I I feel like. What is the like top forty records that that are on iTunes, right, or uh -huh. on Billboard? Mm -hmm. Those top forty records. A lot of us would have been forced to hear those on the radio, right? On the TRL, on yeah, TRL, or like it just would have been everywhere. But now it's top forty because they're listening to them at home, right? Yeah, so. but, but like we don't hear any of those anymore, yeah. right? Like the Katy Perry, like the K Katy Perry songs, the Lady Gaga songs, right? Back in the day, they were huge, right? Would they have been huge in this day and age? Like, do you know what I mean? It just no, would sure. it would have hit just one secular genre. Yeah, you I don't know. Me? We need like a fight, you know, the Fight Club where they I don't want to say the wrong thing, but they, you know where they reset the credit system or whatever they do at the movie. You know, there's like that. We need yeah. like that kind of digital reset. I think there's there's so much people are so everything's so attention, and you know, someone takes a two month break, you, they might not let you back in. No. You know, the consumer. Mm -hmm. We'll say, I'm oh, sorry, I, I, I had it, I don't want it again. And it's it, it, because of that, I think that, you know, sometimes uh, the, the authentic or, you know, very uh, impressive artists kind of get, don't get the credit they used to get mm -hmm. uh, in today's era. Um, that's only about streaming numbers and sales and, and big records. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, albums that, you know, are, uh, have texture and are awesome and mm -hmm. sound awesome and don't just have three minute tracks and, People just don't give a fuck anymore. I think, yeah. I think time and ta talent uh, go hand in hand in this day and age because, right. honestly, if you are really talented, yeah, even if there is a backlash, and this is the thing is no, that- No, you'll break through. I agree. Yeah, I think nowadays this is what I've, I feel- As Tiger. Yeah, look at Tiger. <laughs> but I honestly feel like it back sure in the day, like an artist would have disappeared and you would have never heard from them like for a while and then they would have dropped an album. Right. Yeah. Now it's like someone drops an album 
it, it shakes up the world. A year and a half later, everyone just starts shitting on them. Right. It shakes up the world for like a week, and then the next week, they're like, oh. And then like, you get a backlash, and everyone's yeah. like, yo, this dude ain't shit. No one listened to that right. shit no more. And then he drops something new, and they're like, everyone loves him again. Right. Yeah. And it's a very different, like. I agree. Like, it's the Chris Brown effect. It's like, un- what is it, unappreciation? Or what you is have it to like, continually come out with good music, though. Because if you don't, then it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. No, like if Tiger Chris ha- Brown had whack music, we would probably shit on him. Correct. He's that's, 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 coming with good music. That, that, he that's had why, a whack album. That's why I, I mentioned him, because, you know, in kind of saying what, what uh, Crooker was saying earlier, is that, you know, the, the talent and the good music will always break through the wall. Like, right. no matter what the fuck's going on, if you, you know, Chris Brown, it's like, people want to say whatever the fuck they want, but. That's Michael Jackson. The guy drops the music and gets on stage. You're like, oh, shit, I get it. You know, it it just doesn't matter after a while, you know. And I think that's why, look, we might be the luckiest people alive because for us to, like, you know, make a living around, you know, one of the weirdest things that human beings do that is like, you know, if there's anything that may make you think that, you know, people aren't normal, it's they, they create music. You know what I mean? Everything about it. Is off is about talent and you know is a different skill right. than communicating or folding papers or math or whatever the case. So, you know, I I think good music solves everything. It can solve someone's career problems. You know, yeah, put you in a bad mood, good mood, good party, yeah. bad party. Like, yeah. I don't think we we ever feel lucky though. When- like if Nicki Minaj basis. had a good album, we probably wouldn't shit on her as hard as we do. <laughs> See, I don't if know. She had a pretty good some album. People, some people are saying it's a good album, though. I, I, you know what I mean, I think Nicki Minaj is more talented than eighty percent of the male rappers ever. Yeah. Mm. I didn't think that when I when I you know now right now in the scene. no I didn't think that when she first came out because anything anytime everybody loves something it's hard for me to accept it if that yeah. makes sense. That's our generation though. Right? It's like that punk rock. Uh, you that's want, our, no, yeah, but right. that's that hip hop keep it real generation, it right? It is. It's like I didn't like Snoop at first because everybody likes Snoop, right, right, right. And I, you know, oh, okay. but then I like, <laughs> but then I heard a, a why, why? six million ways to die. Choose one. I was like, oh shit! And then I actually so you didn't it. like Snoop on. Um, it's not that I didn't like it, but because everybody, because everybody liked Doggy Style, I didn't want to like. No, but you loved them on Deep Cover. I, I love everything, but I didn't allow my brain to listen to the whole album. At first, I didn't listen to the album because either. everybody like, and Doggy Style to me might be the best. I, like everybody's always Illmatic or you know, and I, I think Illmatic's great or you know some of the Rakim records, Eric B and Rakim records. Yeah. But to me, uh, Doggy Style, Doggy Style, fuck my whole life. It changed my whole life. Everything. It just like all you of do, us. You don't hear that a lot about Doggy Style. The, the album Doggy, about the album, not the yeah. position. But like you said, <laughs> <laughs> pause. Different podcast. Different podcast. Right. It's a different one. So nobody really talk about that album like like Doggy Style. It's like Dog Style. It's my, a classic, but it's not like up there like the Illmatic, Change the, the World, um, or the Biggie, or the, Mata, much better album. Doggy Style. Maybe because there maybe. would have been no Ready to Die without the Doggy Style. That's why Ready to Die starts playing Doggy Style. That's what Ready to Die was. That's yeah. what no. That's what they did. But that's that's narrative, what the, that was probably trying right? to do. Yeah. Get that East. That Let West me Coast do. I'm going to do an East Coast, Coast version of what that, these guys did. And again, he did his own thing. I'm just saying that. You that know, was the inspiration to man, the dogs, the shiznit. The, 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 yeah. This is for the G's and the hustlers, the flow. Like mm-hmm. since we're since we're talking about this, what's your obsession with Tupac? Uh, I always have. Oh. I have argument. I don't have argument. Me and Constantine about be the Listen, best friends. I think this is just a very. <laughs> Uh, we black, we always I, talk about this, right? It's a very factual conversation. So I, listen, yeah. I think anytime you're the best at anything, it's about consistency and success, right? So like, you know, sometimes people are like, uh, you know, uh, this this 
underground artist really is the best and it's like not really because not his music wasn't strong enough to grab a hold of enough people for you to argue that right so mm -hmm. like you know i think i'm not saying that it, it requires cells but i think it's a little both right i think that any human being that could make over 1800 songs and three movies and travel the world uh and in in one year so he you know tupac was uh, released from jail, signed a signed a contract on a napkin on September twelfth in ninety five, right? and died on September thirteenth. So he was alive for three hundred sixty four days, and he made music that they're about to bring out another three albums. Yeah, I I think that alone that he was able to do what it took Jay Z ten years to do in one year. It's hard to just quantify that in reality. Like mm -hmm. the, I don't care if you're Stephen King or you're you make clothes or what. Just the scale of that kind of production and just, you know, it, it, again, it's like a, it's, it's some artist shit. Like the guy wakes up, Hennessy, fucking stress, problems, parole, probation, whatever. And he's making four, five, six songs a day. Dang, yeah. You know what I mean? Like he did three a day. Going against bad boy, doing this, doing that. And, and there's still music. So, you know, for me, the content that, you know, there was always a message. Uh, you know, I, I, I was always in the fandom because I just, I, I started listening to hip hop because it had meaning and a lot of other music didn't really have meaning, right? Like, you know, there's a pop record that somebody wrote or a rock record, right? somebody else wrote, you know, Tupac was talking about some cool shit and, you know, he's this, was this underdog and, and uh, you know, even again, I, I think it's always interesting to me how, you know, uh, some people like they, they'll love a, a Wu-Tang or, you know, I don't know, whatever the other lyrical people are, even Rakim, like, you know, I'm, I'm obsessive Rakim fan, Eric being a Rakim fan, like the, you know, when I, when I was uh, uh, going to have my baby delivered, when, you know, my, my wife, the water broke, I, I purposely had Rakim in the car, <laughs> you know, just because I'm cheesy like that. So like, but, but I listen to a lot of Rakim rhyme styles and I listen to Tupac. I don't see a lot of difference of, of quality, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that it's fair to say that uh, Jay-Z is, is the, the greatest of all time now, not because uh, uh, he's better than Tupac, but because Tupac passed away and Jay-Z lived. And he's been able to, you know, create something that's bigger than music. I think that uh, Drake is probably the most successful rapper ever. Uh, musically, right? So, uh, streaming number one hits, and yeah. you know, I don't know if I've ever heard a bad Drake song. To be honest, like, mm -hmm. you know, do I like a certain music more, like uh, on a personal level? Sure, but uh, now when you look at, you know, part of why hip hop is cool because the acts were so authentic, right? Like they had to be, they were their music, right? So, I think that's kind of where the music is a little more open to to new things nowadays. But, mm -hmm. you know. It, it's, it's kind of hard to argue about the, the the level of success Drake's had even since then. But but to me, Tupac will always be better than everybody else. What's your favorite Tupac album? Uh, I mean, I you know I, I like Machiavelli in, uh, in some ways better than everything. I like Me Against the World in some ways better than everything. Um, I like some of the songs that haven't come out. You know, uh, and did uh, you like the after like Into the End of Time? Like all those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I like, I like some of those albums that they did. I think that uh, you know, Tupac never had a producer. There was never no Dr. Dre. And I mean, you know, Dre produced two or three songs for for Pac, right? So mm -hmm. like, yeah. you know, if that would have happened for an album, if if Tupac and Ye would have done a whole album, right? Or you know, uh, uh, Just Blaze would have done Tupac records. Like, you know, I could only imagine. Like, you know, me and the, me against the world is like, you know, Mo Beats, right? Like, it's not, yeah, yeah. You know, 
and it's awesome. So, you know, for me it was, because again, he just, he was talking about something to me. I, to me, I like, you know, always, and that's why I love Nas too, you mm-hmm. know. Well, Nas always had a real definitive message, so, but. Well, since you, oh, go ahead. I wanted to ask you earlier, growing up in Greece, did you listen to hip hop over there, or? Uh, y- yes, I, I guess, it, you know, it depends on the age. I think I, I started listening to hip hop music uh, I think Kumo D was my first favorite rapper. I was a big Kumo D fan. I, was <laughs> really? I think I think L Cool J and Kumo D are You're like showing the, your age, man. So, so that was like big in Greece. Like <laughs> in Greece, he was listening to Kumo D, LL Cool J. Nobody else was. I w- basically mm-hmm. I would because I was the youngest in my family. I would spend six months a year there and then six months here. So mm-hmm. oh, okay. you know my 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 father was. Uh, involved in the government in, in Greece when he was at a very young age. He was like the Secretary of Agriculture at like 28. And then they, they flew them here to groom them. Mm-hmm. And then when they were here, there was a, a junta, a military coup in Greece. Yeah. So everybody in his party got put in jail. They had to, he had to hide my sisters. And then oh, he went oh, from like aristocrat to dishwasher like overnight. So like, oh, and, then, and then later on, you know, I was born in 78. And then in the 80s, when he, he kind of was able to go back he ran for, uh, I think, governor at the time or something, or actually he ran for vice president because mm-hmm. they actually had, you would run for vice president, run for president. And, you know, they, they tried to get him. They, you know, they kind of pushed us out of town. But because I was the baby, every time he would go, I would have to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he would go and be like, oh, this is your grandma. I'll be back in a, in a little bit. And then like three months later, you know, dad would come back. So you learn <laughs> to speak Greek really fast, you know. You, yeah. But, yeah. But part of that was I would, you know, I would be the guy with the, you know, remote control car and the Nike shoes, and the, the kids were like, "Oh my God," you know. Right. Mm-hmm. But I would bring the music from wow. the states. I, you know, what was big when I was in Utah, or, or I mean, in in uh, in Greece was Joe. Remember the Joe? Singer. The, R&B singer? Singer? the R&B singer really? Joe. Wow. And every Joe record that came out in the states, I had heard like five years before. Yeah. So like when I was a kid, like the only the only like U.S. music that would play in Greece was like I would always hear Joe records. All those big records that he it's had. It's kind of yeah. random. Super yeah. random. <laughs> I want to know. You know what's funny? Yeah, all, yeah. Like, all, the, all, yeah. The, all that stuff I heard at like 11, Don't 12. Be a and then at like 18. Don't want to be a player no more. All that yeah. You know, it's funny how many records that that fall on the floor that they don't even release here that get released in Europe that, you you know, from uh, from America. Like A. Marie released like two albums in Europe. I know that, yeah. Oh, really? What? Yeah. yeah. I still love A. Marie, man. Damn, it was shit. Until she kind of, you know, Touch that Beyonce sound, and then you know they. Got, well, that yeah, was Rich Harrison, man. Correct, yeah. it was Rich, Rich Harrison. Harrison. Yeah. I mean, he was. Anne Marie was Rich Harrison first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Beyonce, the Beyonce actually like stole, took a swag. stole Rich Harrison. Yeah, <laughs> it was the one thing, man. The drums he took. That, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Still, yeah. That's, um, <laughs> I've, got, I've had two speeding tickets to that one thing. So, I can picture. What do you call it? Not. I mean, being such an affinity for like Pac and the story and writing, right. and, and hip hop. How do you feel about like the whole ghostwriting thing with the? I mean, I mean, I, th- I think it's. I, think I mean, it's to me, it's the inevitable evolution of a music genre becoming right. pop music, right? Correct. And once it becomes pop music, there are a lot of a lot of hands start, right? You know, going. It's not like you know someone's bedroom, you I, know, I, basement. I will, I will say this: I think that if you have written all your music and you have not written all your music, I think it's fair to say, I did this, you didn't, right? So yeah. like, you know, uh, you know, if, if no one ever really, you know, you know the base, that's, the, that's the differences. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, because music makers, right? Like a, 
a Beck album, there's like 40 people that help make the album. Or maybe it's not Beck. That's probably because he's actually the guy who plays all his shit. But <laughs> yeah. I'm saying like, you know, a lot of big uh, Adele or whatever the case, there's all kinds of people involved to make great songs so that you can't uh, pigeonhole hip hop and not allow them. But to it is different in hip hop. That's a problem. So, but, that's like, a, but it is different in hip hop, I, mean, I, I feel that's like. That's right? Yes and no, though. I mean, you're making music, you know? So like, now, if you didn't write any of your music, is that good? But I think when you, if you were to really look behind the veil 100%, yeah. I think you'd be surprised how much of hip-hop music that someone's been behind that you might not have known or whatever the case. So, Probably, yeah. yeah. And, and listen, if you're in a room and you got four or five people and you're required to make two, three albums a year and those two, three albums a year equate to you know hundreds of millions of dollars for different people right. and you got to uh, put out that content, you know... I, I'm not mad at it by any means because it's it's the craft of making records instead of just rhyming, right? Like, you know, uh, but but again, I do think it's fair for someone to hold that, you know, that 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 pride in saying, mm-hmm. well, I write all my own shit. Nobody writes, nobody helps me with anything. You know, everybody gets a little help, but like, you know, you don't hear that. You hear about Jay Z writing songs for people. You don't really, you know, you don't hear about anybody writing music for Tupac. Right. Like right. you don't hear, you know, yeah. uh, there's the same thing with Rakim. Like if you go down with, you know, Nas, like, you know, no, no one wrote any Nas shit. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people Nas wrote for that you, that none of us know about. Right. right. So mm-hmm. I think that it's fair to define those people differently. So that's why I might, you might say one guy's the most successful. Well, I thought that and was then another guy's the best. That's the first time I've actually heard someone coin it that way. Right. Where Drake is the most successful rapper. Right. And, and I'm not saying that as a negative no, that's, thing. I'm no, just saying, I think that's really think accurate, that's, though. That's the yeah, right. Yeah, it's very accurate. Because you can't really compare, although you can compare the... the, the Drake is probably the only person who's, who I can think of that's made music as well and as often as Tupac. You know, mm-hmm. meaning Tupac made so much music, and, it, and to me it was all good. But do you think Tupac would have, I mean, aged... You know, people say was, that people say that Tupac would have became like a DMX. Yeah, Would you believe like he that? Was so no, he was so self-destructive. He was so self-destructive. Thank you, Constantine. Well, I mean, and I always say I thought he would have maybe gone more in like Will Smith lane. No, way. yes, I don't think one hundred percent. Philanthropist. No. Yeah, he was a great actor. You're talking to New no, York. I think he was a great actor. No fucking way. <laughs> yeah, but he was so self-destructive. Will Smith never shot at the police in it. Will Smith Will Smith Will Smith went bankrupt. I mean, Will Smith lost all his money. Yeah, yeah but that's around. different from yeah. spending your money, but then shooting at I'm the saying, cops. Had, and, you know, had, we're talking about Will Smith wasn't going to jail. When we're talking about <laughs> hypotheticals, had Park turned his life around and Will got Smith older and more mature. Guns. I mean, that's the movie. Yeah, yeah, Will Smith wasn't shooting so. at cops. Right. Thug life. But Will Smith didn't get shot like shot eight times. Tupac was right when he shot the guy. He yeah. He's never right, but I'm saying it was self defense. He won that case because the two cops were drunk and they had stole those guns from the evidence. Correct, and they basically were just picking on some lady, and he got out, and you know he was crazy. God bless him. But that's the key thing is that he's crazy. Will Smith would have like called the police and been like, "Yo, some shit's going on." I think I think if you if you've taken the time, which I imagine you haven't, but if you take the time and actually listen. To, to Tupac? To the, to the interviews, uh-huh. to actually listen to Tupac speak, I think, you know, uh, anytime a, a star's too bright, it burns out, right? So, like, you know, yeah. I think that, you know, sometimes you're too smart for your own good. Sometimes you understand the system and the, the maniacal way of society too much. You know, it's, it's hard to balance that, that knowledge. And so I think, you know, 
if you see, listen, Tupac is the embodiment of who every rapper to this day is trying to be. And he died at 25, the, by the chick way. song, the the mm-hmm. hardcore song, the fa- the mother song, the 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 girls and the gangsters together. Yeah, you yep. know what I mean. Like the movies, the clothing, the yeah. all, all that shit started with Tupac. Versace, everything. I, I think he was too. Um, I think there were so many brilliant aspects of Tupac. Correct. But I just think there were so many conflicting yes. characters inside of him. But that's why you loved him. It, yes. Because but, we're all that way. But then I also think he was a victim to whatever environment he was in. Sure. So if he, if he was around death row, he was the biggest like yeah, thug I mean, asshole. You right. know what I'm saying? But, I mean, but he was acting like that before he got signed. Not to really, man. He was like mad. Like when he was with Digital Underground, he was like fucking Afrocentric. No, the, yeah, in the beginning. But, no, but after he was, that, he was such a like. Uh, when he was even making Brendan's Got a Baby, he's like, no, I want it like this. And he was like, very, I don't know. He's a very... No, 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 no. Uh, I listen, mean, we're, I, t- we're talking about a few a few things. He wasn't gang, He wasn't talking about gang shit. He wasn't talking about but he was getting into shooting shootout. up motherfuckers. But like, he was getting into shootouts and fights before he got signed to Death Row. I mean, no, he, no, no. Of course. I mean, that's why he was he in already, jail. That's why he signed a Death Digital know, Underground was... Choice. He yeah. was like 18 when he was with Digital Underground. Like, that's very early. So he Listen, hasn't seen all that shit yet. In, in all reality, right, and you even look at some artists today who've had their, their personal problems in their lives, right? Like, you know, even being a DJ, right? You remember from like, well, should I DJ to all of a sudden you're making real money right and you're drinking and you're partying and like you know it's a balancing act to manage that no matter you know who you are right mm-hmm. so like there are days you're like oh, i gotta slow this down now you you compound that times 100 million you know tupac was a 17 year old you know a brilliant smart self-taught you know uh, hard on his sleeve homeless kid with a mom that was a black panther and then all of a sudden the world was handed to him he had him everyone was listening to him and all the police hated him, you know, or a lot of authorities were, you know, weren't as welcoming to him as possible. Mm-hmm. And I think, listen, it, it's unrealistic to expect a 21 year old kid to handle that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Will Smith, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, if Tupac would have came in like Will Smith, uh-huh. you know, on the acting side and with, you know, Quincy Jones, you know, he had Quincy Jones later in his life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but. Uh, you know, it, it could have been different. I think that... Uh, I think they're two different... Because, you know, when I think of Will Smith... They're two different things. I don't think they're even in comparison because Will Smith did not have a musical career. I mean, there were, he had highlights. He won a Grammy and shit. But I, I can't Will, really... Will Smith was Drake for a short period of time. Very he, short. Right, but... but still, I, he was, though. Very short. Brought, I wouldn't know. No, no, he, you're wild. He was not Drake. He brought hip-hop to the table for those three years. That was... Parents yep. don't understand. Parents just don't understand. Girls Who's in the world, they nothing but trouble. That shit would have, there would have been no hip-hop on the radio for at least another two or three years if that stuff didn't didn't play, but I don't know. He wasn't Drake, man. Uh, do you feel like... I don't know. <laughs> he was like a cooler young MC. <laughs> okay. Oh, you bugging, man. <laughs> he was big, though, bro. Maybe not as big Don't put on the Fresh Prince, was going to say, now that I think about it, is it weird that your first job was at the MGM and now your second job is on Flamingo? Yeah, Flamingo and Colville. Absolutely, it's weird. I used to. This is how dorky I am. When I did, lived, you go where I used got, to go there every year uh, on September. Flamingo and Colville. <laughs> You're crazy. crazy. You're I'm crazy. crazy. Yeah. No, I'm big though because when I was twelve, <laughs> I'm telling the truth. <laughs> when I was like twelve, eleven, I first came to Vegas. I told my dad, I said, "Can we go to Colville Flamingo and Colville?" Yeah. He's like, "Why?" I'm like, "That's where Tupac died, or yeah. he got shot at," yeah. and then. Uh, we were there and he's like well this is the intersection i'm like okay cool but to me it was just a moment you know what's even wilder is uh 
if he if he didn't pass, I for sure would have. I believe I would have had the opportunity to work with him. He might have ended up being too big, but because of Sundance and he was an actor, I, th I feel like you know it would have been logical to gap in there. The other funny thing is uh, Michael Gruber, who's actually the president of Dre's. Michael used to be Tupac's film agent, oh. and he was also Will Smith's film agent, um, and he was Ti and Chris Rock and you mm -hmm. know a lot of other people, <laughs> and. Uh, it w that when there was the the hip hop hall of fame museum they had like a, a activation or that you know they had a temporary museum in LA yeah the two part the, mm -hmm. the poetic justice contract was was Gruber's signature right mm -hmm. so you know Tupac's old agent you know since she was my boss when I started at Dre's or you know whatever and you know just so yeah it it's weird because it would have probably happened in some ways um but, you know, that, that's life, I guess. I think. Uh, yeah, because MGM was like the last place where he was kind of seen and the correct jumping the the guy. And, and because of Victor, I, I've I've had the opportunity to be around Quincy Jones a lot because Victor and Quincy Jones are like 20, 30 year friends. And wow. what was really cool is I, I was invited to a dinner, you know, with Victor. Mm -hmm. I just kind of tagged along, and it was Quincy's birthday yeah. uh, at Giada's or something before the club, and you know. Quincy's, you know, being nice to everybody and, you know, giving them all these stories and, you know, that guy is awesome, right? So, and the story he wants, the person he wants to talk about the most is Michael Jackson, it's Tupac. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's who he was like, he lights up and he's like, ah. And when they met, you know, Tupac was rude. Yeah, they didn't yeah. get along. No, they had no, no. Beef the, like, Tupac basically said some, like, nasty shit in an interview. Yeah. And then later, uh, it, the daughter, he ended like, up with the daughter is like, you're talking about me, motherfucker. And she's like, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. And then they all became friends. Have you ever met your daughter? I haven't, but, you know, they, they were uh, engaged or about to be yeah, married right. or almost married or something. I met her once and she, I now I know why he fell in love with her. Right, right. I mean, beautiful. <laughs> I love family. her. Yeah. Um, what do you guys, I have a question about, I'm sure a lot of DJs are listening to this. So I want to ask, as far as booking a DJ right. or looking on what you're, you know, what are the qualifications you're looking for when you're kind of booking a DJ, when you hear them DJ? Do you know what I mean? Sure. But I mean, I mean, I know that's a broad statement, but I mean. What goes into it? Like, I, I, want you you to, I want you to talk about, obviously, like, yo, this dude's dope. Right. You know, he has skill, but I also want you to maybe look at maybe another side right like, like what is there like what are what are the things Key that factors like for example would you keep hiring a dj that was like you know hard that, that had an ego you know what i mean no like, I, listen I, I think that uh probably the most important piece is uh you know working with good people right so yeah. like uh you know especially because you know, a DJ kind of, their energy kind of permeates the crowd. You yeah. know what I mean? It kind of spreads through the crowd. And so, you know, that's why you might get some guys that you might not look at as they're these technical wizards or they didn't come through the, a certain pedigree, but they do so well because, you know, they're happy people, right? So right. I think, mm -hmm. honestly, that might be the quintessential piece as much as anything, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and then after that, you know, you won't, you know, for me, the club in general, it's always nice when you can create a sound that has a texture. You know what I mean? Like you go into the venue and you kind of feel the vibe, right? Like someone makes you feel like you're at the Gatsby party or someone makes you feel like you're at live at the barbecue or right. whatever it is. Like, you know, and finding DJs that, that know how to do that. Uh, you know, there was a time that the only thing I was looking for is people that play a lot of Jay-Z for me. So, no, I'm just, uh, and I miss those days. You know? I miss being able to hear 10 Jay-Z records in the club. I don't know what the fuck happened. You know yeah. I, I, uh, uh, <laughs> seriously, to this day, like it'll be like ten thirty. Some played a Jay Z record. I get all excited, but uh, I, you know, I, I think that uh, 
DJs that are, uh, you know, play a plethora of music. Um, you know, I'd like to see DJs nowadays get out of the, the slow beats per minute. Uh, I think it's really easy for people to, you know, they fall in that, you know, these 20 records that have been on the radio for the last two years, and that's all, you know, sometimes you hear. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I think really it's just about positive energy and good music, uh, you know, fluidity, and, you know, people that know how to have fun, and, and it becomes contagious, you know? Do you notice a difference between, like, let's say, the more veteran DJs and how they spin and, like, a younger DJ? Yeah, you know, it's funny because some guys were, like, better when they were young, right? So, like, yeah. there was there were some guys that, you know, at 22, you were like, yo, that, that guy's going to be awesome. And then, you know, that, that young energy goes away, mm -hmm. and then they don't maybe, they're not as passionate about it, or, they, you know, they get more comfortable, whatever. Um, you know, one of the things I miss is because we do so much live music, I don't, you know, a, you know, you mentioned Park City, but a big part of my life there was I was kind of the first one in my market to find a lot of these DJs that were popping, whether it was you or Vice or Irie or, you know, that whole the whole squad that you guys have now. Yeah, yeah. To lo basically, it was all kind of happening at that time, right? And so for me, that was just the way, like, maybe you might call what we do is curation. At the time, I was curating DJs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people were, all you guys were, were, were kind of really getting your crafts. You were having fun. And so there was a real art form to it back then, I felt, as far as actually program. And, and like you said, people like to go out there because, you know, it's surprised surprise. Then they go to Park City and there's the two Greek guys trying to, you know, yeah. pouring tequila down your face. So, you know, but I think that uh, uh, nowadays uh, the, the, the thing that, you know, I didn't see back then is I think back then people were kind of tried to be creative naturally. And I think nowadays people are maybe trying to be good at what everybody else is good at. Hmm. So you know, I, I, I there's probably a interesting. Good, there's probably a good reason to do that in some ways, right? Because you come in and people are like, you know, why don't you play these ten songs that everybody plays? But at the same time, it, it you know it's hard to be it's hard to be defined that way. So right, mm -hmm. I think it, it was it was definitely interesting. Like after AM, everyone wanted to sound like AM, right? And then you had all these dudes that sounded like AM, right? And then you know what I mean? And then that was the eating. thing for a yeah. while. That was the thing for a while. It was like you could you couldn't. That's really where the word open, I mean open format came from. That mixture of the rock songs. Yeah, mm -hmm. I still kind of miss some of that shit to be honest. A little bit. Yeah. yeah uh, but have you thought about making another night besides hip hop like an open format night or like a eighties night or whatever? We we have it. I mean, every, I guess everybody does the theme parties. Uh, you know, so much of our experience is built on that 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 live music integration. Yeah. Uh, you know, the beach club is is more DJ orientated. Um, you know, I think, you know, hopefully down the road one, you know, and again, the venue also decides a lot of things too. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, park city had a little stick to it that allowed us to kind of have the, you know, it's, it's almost was cooler there in some ways, you know, and I think there's, uh, you know, sometimes I go into a small room and I'm like, man, I wish I just lived here. Cause you know, it'd be fun to like, you know, have Mark Ronson and this and that, and, you know, it'd be cool if people appreciate a lot of that shit. Uh, and, you know, I, I hope that's where, you know, things bounce back because I think that there, you know, there is a component of what we all do, what we all, what you guys play. And it's not that we don't like the music, but it, there's something about it that's kind of like uh, overly mainstream or too accepted or whatever the case. So, like, you know, I miss that, like, like, like a quest love, right? Like, 
you know, Questlove is is fun to listen to in the right environment. Right, right. Because mm-hmm. he does all this cool, like he plays the loop and the new record and all that. Yeah, yeah. And in a certain environment, you're like, oh, this shit is not going to work here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? So it's just like, it's finding those environments where you can hear those cool DJs, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But That's well, very think- true. I heard him, um, I actually played with him for an event at Tao. And it was a request by one of the big spenders to have him there. And they paid for him to come. Yeah. And it's it just didn't. Heidi Klum. Yep. Yeah. It, it was. was Heidi Klum's yep. Halloween party. party. Yeah. And it just. She loves Quest It was, it was yeah. amazing. Yeah. If you're like at like Richard Branson's island and it's like Oprah and Jay-Z are there, Quest Love's the greatest DJ you yeah. could have. Yeah. Right. Like if you're like, you know, at Tao and, and, you know, 70% of the crowd is from Minnesota and they want to hear. You know what I mean? Like Migos, you're fucked. Yeah. Right. So it's like, <laughs> and that was the thing. Like he played a towel, and she was wilding out, but the crowd just didn't yeah. get it. And then when I heard you book him at the yeah. Lingling Club, I got it. And yeah. I was like, damn, like he See, sounds and, and, way and, better. And, in and the there it worked. Club. Yeah. And a couple times he would come in, and and you're like, oh, I wish you would have done that at the start of the set. Right. <laughs> uh, because you know, again, the, the Vegas di- dynamic. That's why Park City was cool because Park City was kind of that town where that's the crowd you would get right. that you know cared about that stuff but yeah. uh, Vegas is kind of like if something's cool you just gotta like add like three tablespoons of spice in it a little bit like you gotta you yeah, know right. what I mean That's true. it's gotta be a little overdone because sometimes the way I DJ or the way I spin in Vegas right. I gotta tone the shit down when I go to another city right. sometimes it's like yo like, it's too too much for them to yo, handle like, yo, yeah, yeah. cause yeah. it's like when you get on it's like balls to the wall like yeah. it's like we're going there 100% and then like if I do like a New York I'm I'm going in hard I'm like well hold on hold on it's, yeah. it's only one o'clock right and motherfuckers are gonna come in at two right and then they're gonna want it to go to three and four so yeah, I, I, need to, I need to chill the fuck out yeah yeah I mean I, I'll tell you that uh, you know to give some other people credit you know the first time I went to One Oak in New York yeah you know a long time maybe 2005 or I don't know and that was like when the butter days was that when that shit was around yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, it was awesome I was like man this, it was like you know that four or five hour hip hop set, like that Ross one's real good at, like, mm-hmm. you know, where you play, he'll play five Jay-Z records back to back and four Michael Jackson records back to back. And it felt like this, like, you know, I don't know, wedding party, house party, like, you know, you and your best friends are playing your favorite records. Like mm-hmm. that's the shit I kind of miss. Yeah. That's hard to do in Vegas or in a big club where you're like, you know, cause when, I, when you're young, the, the activity was some booze and the speaker, you know, like, you sit around and drink and listen to music. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, sometimes you'd, like, rap different verses. I got this verse. You got the, you know, like, that was the activity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, that nostalgia at a party I miss. I think, like, Vegas, sometimes I feel like it's more based on, like, uh, like the cryo. Like, we got this cryo moment. <laughs> we have this confetti moment. And, like, right. the song has to go with the moment or the, the cryo right. and everything. And it. And it's like, oh, I got to get on stage and like shoot the cryo gun. Right. And then it's like, it's not even about the music. It's like, right. what's the perfect background? It becomes like you're watching an action movie. It's like the yeah. moment. And, and, the, yeah. and then like the music in the action movie doesn't really matter. It just has to be. How do we change? How do we. Aggressive, how do, right? How do we create like a, you know, like a, like a first, like I've always wanted to do like, you know, don't do this. Because I'm going to say it for me, but no, I'm just kidding. I've always wanted to do like, <laughs> know, bring that like first Friday vibe. 
you know, where, where they're playing like the James Brown like records. Funk and Soul yeah, mixed up it, with hip But mixed up with hip like, With party break, break beats. Yeah. Original I, I, break beats. Like, I would love to do that. Like, yeah. I don't care about making the money. If I just, if I, there was an environment, I could do that once a month, once a week, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I miss that. Where, like, you know, you could have six turntables and whoever comes can get on and fuck around or mm-hmm. whatever the case. Like, you know, I wish there was those pockets of, you know, because it's hard because all of us work so much at the club. So when we don't have to work, we're like, I'm not going anywhere. At least that's where I'm at. Right. But like, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, and the point is, is you need those people to go out in order for that to be appreciated. Right. Because yeah. the tourists mm-hmm. don't care enough about that. Yeah. You know, I wish that like that soul and I don't necessarily mean the word soul music, but just an actual soul. Well, I always talk about that with you guys. Do you think it's possible to start a party like that in Vegas? I don't think it is. If it is small. Yes. It has to be. Yeah. Has yeah, to be like. F- like as big as this room. Four to five hundred. <laughs> exactly. Big as this room. Maybe smaller. Four to five hundred is too much. I'm thinking like one one twenty. One hundred. Yeah. Maybe three. Maybe two to four hundred. I said one fifty to three hundred. Yeah. It's perfect. I say. But yeah. a se- but a, but like a sexy a sexy party like like yeah. my mo- you know modern day rap pack style which I like that you used that word earlier because yeah. you know I think I think part of what hip hop has become to the strip now is the new rap pack. Yeah, I mean, I think what you guys have been doing at Dre's is like, is very impressive, and I love because you know we're all hip hop heads here. So yeah. f- for us, the whole EDM era, it was cool. Like we were all conforming and adapting to what was going right. on with the scene. But I think in the end, we're just like, yo, like, you know, when it came back, we were like, yo, this is what it is. And yeah, we, and I kind of wished a lot of nightclubs did what you did, sure. they, that where they embraced hip hop a little bit more. I'm glad and they it, didn't. I'm glad <laughs> they did. Well, it's weird because they're they're doing it, but they're not doing it all the way. Right. They they're like kind of um, it's like a side bitch to them, right? They're, sure. They're not, they're not wiping it up. Like, and it's yeah, always it's, been that way. And listen, yeah. it, it, w- even when EDM was accepted, uh, uh, hip hop artists accepted EDM. EDM people have not been the nicest to hip hop music. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they're, ah. you know, I've I've been in. I think actually the first time I did. And Tiesto's actually one of the nicest people I've ever met. I mean, he's super been nice, such a gentleman, and always. Even years went by when I went from you know Park City. I was some kid that did a show, and then later he remembered and was always very nice. But the first time I did a Tiesto show, uh, it was like one of the only house shows I did. You know that year in Utah, it was like Tiesto and Cascade, and you know, you know Cascade's from Utah. Huge, yeah. yeah, he went to school in Utah. Yeah, he's Mormon, right? Mormon, first, yeah. first time I booked Cascade was. Uh, I was working for my brother at the time. I was only 19, but I was booking, helping him book DJs at the club. And the guy that we, we did a disco night at this bar in Utah, and the DJ didn't show up. And my brother's like, who can DJ? And the bartender's like, I can DJ. <laughs> and it was Cascade. Oh, really? Oh, wow. True story. We, we paid him like 150 bucks, and then he ended up being the DJ from there and on. And then he used to promote this Monday night at this club called Manhattan in Salt Lake, which isn't there anymore. It was like a basement club. He did a disco night. And that was, to this day, one of the coolest parties ever. You know, I was like... Cascade was your bartender? He was the bar back or bartender bar at back. the time. And, and the DJ yeah. didn't show, and he was like, I'll DJ. And then later on, when I was in Utah... We booked him in Park City. You just City. happened to have a crate of records laying around, or <laughs> like, probably you ran home. <laughs> you know, probably. I, you know, I, that's crazy. But later, when we finally booked him in Salt Lake in Park City, and it's kind of when, like, he just popped. Like we booked him, and then people were like, "Oh shit!" And, you know, he went on that kind of tidal wave, right? And uh, and uh, I remember my brother's like, "Costa, do you know who this is?" And I'm like, uh, kind of pretending I do. And then he tells me, he reminds me of the story right there, 
And I'm like, oh, shit. And then now look at us here today, you know? So it's, you know, it's cool to see that. But basically where I was going with it is, you know, the first time I did a Tiesto show, we're like in the green room. Like it's like there's a condo in Park City, remember, in the basement. Mm -hmm. And if those walls could talk, right? So we're down down there. And, you know, Tiesto at the time was like, was like bigger than Madonna. You know, he, when he played in Vegas, he used to play at the Hard Rock, the big, you know, they used to do it in front of 5,000 people. And when we played in Park City, he had never played in America anything that small anywhere, period. So we got him, you know, I begged him for like a year. We did it, and he was awesome. And then downstairs, I'm like, man, that show was great, but do you mind if I put on some Jay-Z you can listen to? And he's looking at me like, what? And he had never heard, at, the, or at least that's what he told me at the time, he had never heard Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. And he was listening to it and this and that. But but my, my where, where how I got in this whole tangent is like, at the, most electronic music people, not only have they not heard it, they didn't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know when the mm-hmm. when the mixture of hip hop and EDM for the DJ like you said we had to adapt and conform. Yeah, yeah. You know, no one was really mad about it. They were just kind of like, "Yo, can we hear some uh, as well as your shit?" You know, like, "Can we play both kind of musics?" You know, EDM people were like, "No, this is all we want to hear." Yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, uh it's nice to now see, you know, there there be a little bit balance. Uh you know, it's good to see everybody win. But the funny thing about, like, the house, when EDM started getting, like, a lot bigger, some of the intro records that that blew EDM up or house music that brought it to, like, the the top 40 right. was the incorporation of R&B, reggae, and hip-hop. Right. Like, yeah. like yeah. Bob Sinclair, like, those were the first records it's that true. we were playing in, like, a hip-hop but that's yeah, the funny open, thing. Open format thing, you yeah. know? But listen, a, a hip-hop guy made house music, right? It, yeah. it, didn't, it didn't start in Europe. It started in Chicago, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and the and the house music domination happened because of the crossover records, right? So, like, that's when house music went from, like, you know, this club thing and drug thing or whatever to, like, pop music. Top 40. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, Usher and Nicki Minaj and... You know, Neo, they, they were definitely riding the wave, though. I don't know if they were like 100% in it. You know what I mean? You mean the hip hop artists jumped on the EDM yeah, yeah, wave? Yeah, EDM shit. Yeah, I think so. I think I think that I think that house music kind of Jay Z the rappers, though. Like you know how you know Jay is very intelligent and strategic, and you know a new someone new and you know and Jay Z will do the record with the new guy and. Uh-huh. Kind of, you know, get a little of that. I think the Black Eyed Peas made it cool for rappers and others to get on Correct. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times. And they kind of, you know. It was like the first, yeah, to yeah. do that. I don't know if I've ever called a Black Eyed Peas cool. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> How do you feel about, um, like, with the Raiders coming and, like, things that are happening with the city? Like, what's that going to do to the, like, the culture of already having, like, established hip-hop? Is it going to be even more... Of that, or uh, like- listen, I, I, I guess it's a sign of the times. I think one professional team is good for us because it means there's more professional teams on the way. Yeah, uh, I would have rather brought the 49ers than the Raiders because I'm a 49er <laughs> fan. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and uh, you know, at the, going to a Raiders game is a tough project. If you've ever been to a Raiders game, I mean, you, oh, yeah, you better be ready to move the hands if you have to. You like, go to the black, you know, there's this black thing hole, called black hole. Pause. Yeah. I used Man, to, that's a scary sight. I used to live in San Diego. And it was when I lived when I first moved to San Diego. I moved in these condos across the street from the, the Qualcomm, the Qualcomm oh, Stadium. Yeah. And every time there was a Raider game, you know, it was it was creative. Uh, that being said, I think that uh, Vegas might be the best city on the planet. You know, in a lot of ways, I think I think you know I read something a year ago where it's the last Detroit, and you know it really is. It's it's probably the only place where you know regular people can make. Uh, a real living 
and also live for a reasonable cost, you know? And so uh, I think Vegas is an awesome place. I think that the property, the, the way the community spread out, I, you know, sometimes I feel like it, you know, with the concrete walls and the neighborhoods and shit like that. But, and, and then I think that, you know, the industry here where, you know, uh, it, it's respectable to be a valet guy if you're working 50 hours a week. It's respectable to be a waitress. It's respectable to be executive. But when you can have people making retirement level money, you know, doing all those jobs, that's I think true. that's the kind of society yeah. you want. Yeah. And and it's not like that anywhere anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you either can make a lot of money and then you spend it all to live, or you know, it's a good place to live, but the money's really not there. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I think that. Uh, the stadium. I think eventually an NBA team is just. Well, I heard a rumor that they're gonna um, get rid of the Rio and build a um, baseball stadium. I hope so. I mean, you know that the sphere they're doing, the Madison Square Garden sphere, that would be awesome if there's a stadium there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you know, I, it doesn't make sense. I mean, the place, the place is uh, it, when I say unreal, like fake. Like I don't believe the scale. <laughs> You know, <laughs> sometimes it's shit that I see sometimes, you know, people buying a hundred bottles and, you know, it's just, it just is not real. Supposedly, uh, like LA, like, uh, LA, LA, people from LA are coming in, like, I think the average is 10,000 a month. I believe it. Coming to Vegas. I think eventually Vegas will be LA, you know, in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. It makes sense for the, 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 the amount of property, how, how miserable traffic and, and, you know, how clustered L.A. has become. Right. I think that, uh, you know, I don't want to give our secret away, but, you know, I, I don't know why anybody would live in California and pay 13% more state income tax as opposed to 0% in, in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. especially make a lot. You know, there's a million reasons I could tell you that it makes sense to live here. Uh, you know, the ocean is nice. It is nice to get off the plane in Cali and be like, oh. It is nice. The air is. Can't lie. It's nice. The air is not the best in Cali. Nah, but this. LA is fucking some, smogest as shit. There's something about that California air where you can kind of. The vibe warm. is dope. Yeah. The food is good. Yeah. It's everything's like that. Where, where do you see nightclubs going, man? Because I, I think. I think it's going to. I think the whole bottle service thing is, is going to get revamped. And it could be like maybe the amount of years I've had in this industry. Right. But I just feel like. It's, revamped it's, in, in what way, you mean? I don't know if it works anymore. I think we've been like we've been riding this wave of like we're still like hip hop is dominating the sure. music's changing but the clubs are still being run like in like it's comfort like it's to EDM. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, I, I, so listen, I, we were we were talking the other day uh and we were saying like, you know, an EDM experience and a hip hop experience are different, right? So yeah. like that's part of what drives it, right? So you know, an EDM DJ builds the night up, right? over time and you know wants to take them to this big crescendo and then drops them off and takes them back up hip-hop's very different it's like a musical journey and it's up and down and it's changing and moving and you're talking and you know all kinds of communication you know a, a edm dj doesn't want anybody talking because again he's going down this trying to get people excited and you know moving and so forth i think that uh you know it, it's Vegas is kind of stuck in a predicament where, you know, economics is so important. The bottom line is so important. So because of that, you know, you have to do things for scale, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't make a little money. You got to make a lot of money, especially if you have a big space. I think that uh, nationally, and uh, I think that people are going to, you know, continue to evolve more to the nostalgia places, right? So like, you know, the, the bar that's turned into a club, 
you know, I think in other markets outside of like Miami and, you know, LA, maybe San Diego, New York, I, you know, New York kind of has some big box, big box places. Now, yeah. New York might be the one big city that will always be. See, I think the, I think the country's going more New York than Vegas is my opinion. Like where it's more like, you know, a cool place with a reasonable amount of people. Cause it's hard to, to sustain that big box venue in a, in a B market. Right. So, you know, a thousand people is a lot of people in, in, in a Utah market. So, you, so you, when you say you think it's going to New York, you mean it like smaller lounges? Smaller, more texture. A lot of the shit we're talking about, right? right. Where you get to hear the, the Donna Summer record or the, you know, Michael Jackson record with the Rakim record. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I, maybe that's part of just what I hope, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, it'd be, cool, it'd be cool to just retire in a place like that and just, you know, get to hear cool music all the time. There's not too many people and all the people. Because, you know, you only have, there's only so many cool people there. So yeah, once, yeah. You, once you get to like a thousand people, you, know, you can't feel it. There's not a thousand cool people. Well, I think, I think like, what, well, like, I, me and Neville were talking a little bit about you. And I, I was, we were calling you like, when I talk to you, it's like I'm talking to a dreamer. Like a like a and he he was I said like a, a visionary. He said a visionary. I said a dreamer, but I said you need a dreamer. Yeah. In nightlife, it's very nice, by the way. Yeah, but I, I don't mean dreamer as like, like. No, I get it. You know, like a you know what I mean. <laughs> like yeah. You're, like you're in your sofa dreaming about being a pop star. I mean, sure. Like, I mean, like like a real dreamer and that whole fantasy. Like, there's there's got to be a bit of like that fantasy. And that kind of... It's uh, like an art form, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, but like knowing, like taking a chance and taking the sure. risk in night in nightlife, right? Yeah. And then the same thing goes on with the DJs. I just feel like in in the way nightlife is right now, right. and how corporate, like how corporate has like taken over. Yeah. Is it, there's no room for the, like a dreamer to like really work in that vicinity right now. Because I feel like all the ideas are coming from corporate people and it's not great ideas. It's like taking from somewhere or right. just horrible fucking ideas. You know what I mean? Right. And then they're not putting the money into the, the dreamers. You know what I mean? No, no, no. I, I, listen, I, I, I think it. I think, you know, maybe another word for it is creatives, right? Yeah. I think we're all at this table and most people in our industry in some way can be labeled as creatives. Uh -huh. uh, and, you know, not just creative people, but just the way we think, what we like. Right. Um, I, I do think that it's, uh, you know, so important, right? It's like the difference between it never being cool again and being more cool to, to have people that are, are that, that seek fulfillment from being creative, right? So, you know, if you're in nightlife just because of money or if you're in anything just because of money, you know, you can miss the art form of it. I think that if, you know, if you're kind of pre, you know, focused on the art form and money as a result of that you know and so i think that's the key is to you know to find those people uh you know within all organizations and you know try and you know empower them to you know not to sound cheesy but to, but to believe in, in pushing the boundaries i think that's the other thing too is that but is that possible now i don't think it i, I mean I, listen we if we would have had this conversation in 2012 we both would have probably said the same thing right so before mm -hmm. we before you know, uh, I was fortunate enough to land around a group of people and at a venue that were willing right, to, right, right. to to take the risks and, you know, uh, and stand behind our plan long term. Because uh -huh. it's real easy to do 5, 10, 15 shows that go well. And then one, you have a problem. And a lot of people are like, oh, we're, let's not do that anymore. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. And, and so we probably would have said the same thing two years ago. And I would say that, 
you know, the, 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 the luckiest thing that's happened to me other than the timing is everything else is being in a place and platform that fit me perfectly. Right. So I don't think there's anywhere else I could have gone and been able to execute and deliver in the manner that I've been, you know, at Dre's because of, you know, the team that I've been surrounded by and, you know, their confidence in me. And they also wanted to do the same thing and, and had the same ideas in some ways behind, you know, in their own before we even talked about it. Right. So yeah. it's like when you talk to anybody, Oh, I was thinking the same thing. Oh, and then the two of you, uh, you know, expand on that idea. I think that, uh, um, you know, we, we just need the, you know, the people on the ground floor, the directors of marketing, the marketing managers, the programmers, you know, people just have to care about their job a little bit. And it's easy to be like, you know, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do and not get out of pocket, you know, because that's part of the corporate rat race. And that's how those two things mix. And sometimes they, they hurt each other. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's too late. No, I, I listen, every time somebody uh, uh, puts their balls on the line and takes a risk, mm-hmm. if it is a good idea, it works. And so that's why. But don't you think the way the corporate structure works is that the the creatives get pushed out, the yes men stay, and they get moved up, and then you got like a collection of yes men, and then, you know what I mean? Sure. I, listen, so, sometimes yeah, but I also think that like like the like we we're saying, if you make good music, it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, right? Like if you break through that and good shit, you know, I haven't been able to work my job because. I'm easy to work with. I'll say that. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I can be a difficult, complicated person, you know, getting me here today. Right. So yeah. that, but that being said, I've been able to sift through that because of results. So I think that, you know, in real organization, good companies know how to treat good people, right. bad yeah. companies don't. And I think that's why sometimes even big executives get pushed out because, you know, sometimes, you know, they're more worried about them instead of everybody. And I think, you know, I know we're talking about music, but I think, you know, I was having, a, you know, my father is very political and randomly we ended up on the total opposite sides of the opinion. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was trying to explain to him about the circumstance that, you know, separate from the policies and the things, I just like nice people and I don't like rude fucking people. You know what I mean? And so I think that, you know, it, it's the same thing. I think that people have to search for those people uh, in power that that treat the power with respect mm-hmm. and understand the obligation they have to mentor people to uh, you know find people that are different that can do better things and and then when we see people in in you know working with us all of us that are you know are are trying to stay in the lines and you know are are too much conformists because you know you need a little of everything. Uh, you know, I think we have to push all ourselves to push the boundaries because, you know, part of the I say we're lucky to be in this business or be in Vegas. But I think part of our obligation is to push the envelope because what we do, everybody follows. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if there is something that Dre's did by by doing hip hop this often and doing it in, an, in, in a successful manner with no problems and issues, you know, those things give comfort and security in other venues around the country. Okay, now I can start doing this. Okay, I wasn't going to do this before, but now I'll do it. And I think, you know, that's why we have to always do more. Um, the only problem is that uh, I think what you're what you're talking about is like lack of, of, I don't know, realness that can happen when it's a corporate. Well, I think it's, it's on the corporate, like the corporate machine is, the wheels are like, I mean the- Right, it, because money's more important. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> but I, that's why I say at some point it's gotta break down. You know what I mean? I, and I think 
it'd be, you know, because I've never been to a point where I've been to a club and I'm like, dude, this is, it's just like repetitive. It's like, it's, it's like, you well, know. yeah, I mean, because, you know, but you, you guys, as DJs, it's like RC Cola, Coca Cola, Pepsi, right? You know what I mean? It's all pretty. It's, it's pretty all, much the it's same. It's all right? black, carbonated sugar, yeah. and it's like you know, it's the same. But cola. RC Cola and Coke take very, very different. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly, exactly. <laughs> there's a there's a difference, but right. it's, it's you know. Yeah, no, I get it. Listen, I think part of that is we're old. Uh, you know, we've just been we've been doing yeah. it a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, what some people have, you know, uh, you know. The, our life is is other people's every now and then, right? And mm-hmm. we do it every day, and so yeah, it's yeah. easy for us to for it to be commonplace. You know, we've had this conversation, but you know, I, I'd be lying if I don't drive home fifty percent of the time thinking, "What is God trying to teach me?" With you know, <laughs> you know, the shit I got to deal with on a you know daily basis or the night or whatever the case. But uh, you know, the soundtrack's good, so you know, I I, I think that. You know, the Vegas problem is different because it's all about big and scale, and it's so hard to do some of the things I think you're you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I don't think I have level. I don't think I have the ideas to change nightlife, but yeah. I think uh, I've never seen it so like you know how redundant. Do you, how do you, you know make what it I mean? More personable, right? So like a little bit like there's no. Uh, I find a lack of character. And it's, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, but it's hard to have character on a big level. Sometimes. And I see and I see good DJs like literally like dumbing down their styles and like you know just to conform to what they think the corporate uh nightclub wants yeah. Yeah, what they want to hear you know what i mean and it, it, i think at some point it's been a while since i had a venue say like we trust we trust whatever you're gonna do like just dj you yeah. know what i'm saying yeah you know it's funny because we've all been in the fights at least me right because we're you know we're funny I, you know i'm always by the dj booth you guys are djs right so yeah. I've had many nights where the DJ's like, fuck you, you do the job. Fine, you do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, relax. I, I just, <laughs> this guy told me, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to make you mad, but, right. uh, you know, th- there was DJs that, you know, you can't, t- like AM, you couldn't tell him what the fuck to do. Right. Right? So, I, I think I think it comes down to scale again, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but then again, nobody's telling Calvin Harris to play a song. And if they do, he's like, no. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I, don't know. I guess there's a compromise. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything else? We covered a lot. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, it's been a it's been an awesome conversation. No, thank you, Yo, guys. Constantine. Thank you, I'm actually uh, we're all very shocked that you showed up. <laughs> I know, right? We was, we was Con- taking bets on whether or not you showed up. Yeah. Oh, so man. what's your odds? Constantine is Constantine does, is that dude with a heart of gold, <laughs> and and I we you know I'll text him and I'll be like, damn, I don't know if he's gonna text me back, and then he'll text me back maybe. And then we'll be like, oh, let's meet up. Yeah. And then I'll be like, I don't know if we're going to meet. I don't think he's going to show up. You know, I'm, you a, know? I'm, a, I'm a loner by trade, though, in a lot of ways. And you see me even to this day. Sometimes you, you might, you know, I pop out and you're like, oh, you're out. Like, I'm, so, I'm solo, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I might meet some people there. But uh, uh, I'd like to do more than I'm able to sometimes, you know. You're the real ghost. Yeah. You're the real ghost. From, uh, don't don't from say power. That. Don't power. say that on the on the podcast, please. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> hey yo, um, thank you, Constantine, for coming through, man. Yes, I appreciate sir. it. Thanks bro. for having thank me, you, man. I love what you guys are doing, yeah, and yeah. I, and you know I'm a big fan of all you guys, and uh, I truly believe that the open format DJ is why I have a job and why I'm here today. You know, you know that a big part of like my whole. Uh, upbringing in this business has been really the open f- to me you guys were the original rock stars mm-hmm. and you know 
not that I'm anti-house music, but when I was younger, I was more passionate about the DJs than the artists, to be honest. So, you know, I think that so much of what happening is happening now is a return to what you guys started in the yeah. 05, 06, 07, 08 days. Mm -hmm. And this is this is dope, dope shit. Keep doing what you're doing, the clothes, the music, the, the podcast, the culture. And I think that's the key that, you know, we work together to keep the culture in front dope, of everybody. Man. Dope, Thank you, man. Jamie, Thank you're you. a rock star, yo. All of a sudden. Jamie, you're a rock star. <laughs> I woke up this morning hey. as a regular human being, and I got Constantine. <laughs> hey, man, he knighted me. That's Pause. awesome. Man. <laughs> Guys, I had a great time. Thank you. Thank you, Thank man. You. Thank, Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you.